them gals as fast I bet. Switching themselves to catch the men. I got it. I got his talent. Oh, oh, right. Super. All right, Vicky. So uh, the film I made you watch this week is 2017's Get Out. But what I think is a common misconception, or at least one that I'm going to subscribe to, is this isn't, in my opinion, Jordan Peele's first film. Like, I, and I and I feel like a lot of directors that make their big um, uh, mark in the industry, make their big name. This is the you know the uh, the the first thing that we come to know them by. It isn't necessarily mm. their first work. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna posit to you, you that Keanu is how he came on the scene, how big of a shift it was for him to do something, you know, like this. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's something. Was you... it? Okay. So you're, uh, how big a shift uh, get out is from Keanu. Correct. You know, or the work that we, okay. we would have known him from period. You know what I mean? Like as the comedy it, guy. Exactly. And I, I do feel like, it's it's interesting. I, I I see what you're saying, and I I think that that's there's definitely truth in it. But he didn't direct Keanu. He yeah. wrote it, which I actually didn't know before we were just talking about it. Just looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he wrote it and starred in it, but didn't necessarily direct it. So does it count as his directorial debut? I'm inclined to say no, especially because I do think like his. He's not known for Keanu before this. He's known for Key and Peele. Like, he literally, like, did the fucking, you know, impressions of Obama in the White House right. or whatever. Like, th- that's where his 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 public perception is from. And, and Get Out is still that huge departure from, obviously, doing a goofy impression of Obama. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know this. I would still give him credit that this is his directorial debut because I think it's coming out so strong and so hot that I wouldn't want to take it away from take that little bit of extra credit that he gets of this being his debut away and being like, well, no, Keanu was actually I don't think that that's what you're trying to do to him at all, obviously. All right. Well, we're uh, we're going to dig into um, Jordan Peele's directorial debut coming up after this. John, uh, hit me with your top three decoral debuts. What you got for me? Top three debuts. And, you know, so it, it, some of them kind of fit even what you were talking about there without me even knowing it. But yeah, George Romero, Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I think that's his debut. That was, that was, it is his debut. Yeah, it it's, it comes, comes out the gate with Night of the Living Dead, which is, you know, mm-hmm. defines the zombie movie from there on out and really defines like his career from there on out. It, it is wild that that's his, his first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a kind of a, a little bit of a cheat, but the, the Zuckers on Airplane. Okay. Uh, okay. That was their first uh, feature. You big film. airplane guy. You're you're an airplane. Oh my god, I love airplane. Airplane's a perfect comedy for sure. Yeah. Okay. Are you are uh, what What are your thoughts on airplane? I caught it a little late in life. Like there was around the because t- my dad was showing me that and Blazing Saddles kind of all in the same weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like spoof uh, yeah. parodies. Um, there are parts I like. You know. Uh, you know, I speak jive, so <laughs> there, there are definitely parts of it. <laughs> That I, that I dug, but I, I can't say I'm like the biggest airplane fan. But uh, yeah, no, I hear you. It, it was fresh on the mind because you had me watch uh, Winning Time. Yeah, and yeah. Watching that, there's it's a been scene great. in it too. That, that's pretty. Oh, you, have you guys been watching that? Yeah, 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 nice, yeah. yeah. It's nice. been yeah, great. Yeah. I lo- I've been loving it. It was it was like such a feel good show, and then it it takes a turn that I wasn't ready for. But yeah, it was uh, 
Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a good watch though. Oh, but yeah. then okay, so my final one, uh it, you already referenced though, like it's gotta be Tarantino with with Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Like what's a what's a hotter oh, debut yeah. than that one? Stop I mean maybe that this gun one. At my but, dad. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna actually <laughs> I'm gonna bring up Reservoir Dogs a little later on in the conversation. Uh but hell of a debut. Um I got three for you, Hell Sean. of a debut. Uh, like I said, my three are kind of second debuts, but they are how we were introduced to these directors. So I went with one Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Yes, he did have, um, she's got to mm. have it before that, but you, we know Spike Lee from Do the Right Thing is, you know, is him coming yeah. out. Uh, the Coens. I went with Raising Arizona. I know they have Blood Simple and I love Blood Simple, but Raising mm. Arizona stylistically, I feel like is where we start to, like, that's the Coen's oh, yeah. voice. Like, that, that's yeah. when you start to kind of really under... Um, yeah, for sure. I'm saying the zany, wacky kind of Coen brothers. And Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Now, yes, he had a film before that, but we commonly know as it being his first film is Citizen Kane. It's, a, it's an incredible film. So those are my three. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, I think I killed Sean's list there, right? with the exception of... <laughs> with the exception of... Uh, uh, Romero. No, 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 with the exception of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, see, but, uh, dude, I got Legends in there, too. I got Legends. Don't you don't come at don't me. Come you didn't even le- follow the rules. You <laughs> broke your own rules. You can't be like, oh, I, I, I whooped your ass when I didn't play by the rules. All right, guys. Welcome to Make Me Watch. We're a couple of failed filmmakers, <laughs> but forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies. I'm your host, Eric Elliott. And uh, I have the pleasure to be joined by... um. By my co-host, who was a uh, Coagula uh, co-founder, <laughs> Sean McGee. <laughs> How you doing there, brother? Behold. The Coagula. Uh, what's a little, I'm doing great. What's a little crazy here, as you guys can't see, Sean, but he he went super meta for this one. He, he decided to do this pod in blackface. I, I didn't approve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't approve of it, but but we're, we're going to keep it pushing here. <laughs> Today on the show. Oh my god. <laughs> the slander. The slander. Today on the show, we have our main review of Get Out. We'll get into some general thoughts with some spoilers that follow as we dig into the um as we dig into the film with some of our world famous segments that uh, break down the plot, performance, <laughs> and our favorite behind the scenes stories. We'll wrap up with a few things, including what Sean is making me watch next week. So without further ado, let's get into our main review of 2017's Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this this thing? (laughs) (laughs) We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. All right, that was from the trailer 2017's Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele, uh, shot by Toby Oliver. Uh, stars Daniel Kaluuya as Chris Washington. Uh, we got the Armitage family with Allison Williams as Rose. Bradley Whitford as Dean. Uh, the amazing Catherine Kinnear yeah, as yeah. Missy. 
Uh, Caleb Landry Jones, mm-hmm. which I wasn't familiar with outside of this role. I got, I got. Oh, really? I'm excited to talk about that one mm-hmm. uh, as Jeremy Armitage, the rich snot, uh, and then. Uh, Crucial to the story, uh, Lil Rel Howery as Rod Williams. Yeah, great performance. Uh, T.S. motherfucking A. <laughs> great performance. Great performance. All right. So first off, Eric, I mean, I know why, but I want to hear from you. Why did you make me <laughs> watch this Because you needed movie? to see it. Right? Yeah. You needed, I needed to see it. it. I needed it. Uh, this should be appointment viewing for all Florida middle schoolers and the world at large, like before the Christmas holiday and again on Box Day is where I, is where I would slot it in. Um, Hell yeah. We had an argument once where, where I kind of said that I feel like Spielberg achieved with his career highs a greater degree of difficulty than Kubrick, and you bucked against that. Rightfully so, maybe, but I want to kind of, I want to present my case here again, right? Like, not only do you kind of set the bar high with your artistic prowess with this film, and and let's say if we're taking 2001 versus like Jurassic Park, but you're also clicking with the public at the time of the release. And I think the public reaction mm-hmm. and the public um, groundswell of support and, and, and um, you know, the, 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 the memification of this film and, and how it lit the, you know, lit the public on fire. That's that's rarefied air to get into is a filmmaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? To where you're like doing the exact thing you want to do and it clicks with the public. Um, I feel like this is the debut of a signature artist whose whose films I've like pushed all my chips into the, the middle of the pot with. It's like I am all in on anything uh, Jordan Peele wants to do, whether because you know his latter work is going to get a little more dark, a little bit more complex, uh, ambiguous. You know what I mean? It, it's not as clean cut mm-hmm. as is what we're presented with here, but. I am so in a bag for how this dude's mind works and the and the worlds he creates and what he yeah. thinks about them. I'm just like I just I don't care what it is, man. I'm uh, you you got, I have you know uh, opening tickets for whatever you're gonna do. Uh, this film isn't didactic. That's the other thing I think that's important. So it, people like to tell stories from their point of view, but I feel like there's. Um, They'll put the medicine before the candy a little bit. You know what I mean? And I feel like here, entertainment is always at the forefront. And it, it's a little easier mm. to kind of have a social commentary thriller when we're engaged with the story. So um, that's one of the other big reasons. The final one is I feel like the reversals of fortune are so beautifully interwoven interro- in here um, that are commentary on black stereotypes um, that that also have a practical plot device. And we'll get into those as we as we spoil the films. But... Uh, there, there, there are two in there that I like. My heart sings like, in the way that he did it, in, in the way that he executed it. So um, that's what I want more for creators: is to talk uniquely in your voice, but still keep in mind that this is an entertainment medium. You know, and, and I, I want to be entertained yeah. at the forefront, and I don't want to, I don't want to hear you on your soapbox, <laughs> kind of talking at an audience. Give you know, wrap, wrap that medicine in some candy, and there's some beautiful candy that he wrapped a lot of the social commentary in. So. That was uh, th- those are the reasons I made you watch. Uh, I'm curious. This is your first time watching, you know, this movie. What, what was your uh, immediate reaction, McGee? I mean, I I absolutely loved it. I was I was so like just yeah. like hyped up at the end of this you movie. You text me just a little. So <laughs> like, excited. Like, I mean, yeah, I, record right now. I was like, yeah, I was ready to record the the instant that we finished uh, watching the movie because it, I, yeah, it it is like you said. It's just the you see the voice of an artist in there. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that struck me the most, and you you alluded to there when you were talking about, you know, his, his work gets a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. And I I've, I've seen us and and nope right. and um for some reason, well, you know, I I I'll, I missed this movie initially. Mm-hmm. I actually had to go back, and I was like, okay, like February two thousand seventeen, like 
why did I miss that? And it was like, oh yeah, that's when I, I broke my hand that month. I broke oh, my really? wrist. And then I was out of work for like five, six months oh. while I healed. Um, so then I, w- I was, you know, taking some little odd jobs here and there when I adopted my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it was a weird time that I would just like, you know, I didn't get out to the theaters cause I was You're on medical dealing leave. with some shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it, it then, it, yeah, it, it is one of those movies. That I was like, man, I don't want to watch it by myself. And the, mm. I think I had this misconception too that it was going to be a tough watch. Is that right? And so it's it's interesting. In, in what how way? Much like a body you, horror way, or in a like in a gruesome kind of like a it. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a fairly like empathetic, like sensitive person, mm-hmm. and you know, I knew it was a film about you know black experience taught by a black artist, mm-hmm. and I was afraid a little bit of like the level of brutality that it was going to get into because yeah. it, it felt like. Oh, this is Jordan Peele coming out and doing something way different than what we're used to. Like yeah. we're used to this goofy sketch comedy guy, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and that wasn't doing a plus. Horror that, movie that, that wasn't a plus for him back then too. You want know, to uh, just uh, tag off what you're saying? Like him yeah. as a comedy I guy mean, going I think into if you this. Paid attention, yeah. If you paid attention to Key and Peele, like their show, you know they they regularly would go dramatic for the comedy mm-hmm. like the bit would be how seriously they would mm-hmm. take something or like how cinematic they could make a thing look so you could see his eye in just the way he was running that tv show and that right. he had something special going on beyond just doing he wasn't doing like mad tv bullshit like there was some some cinema going on in that in the making of that show so i, I mean i was excited for to, to see what he did and and especially like you know i, I went to see his other movies and and loved them and so, but yeah, I really did. Uh, I think I missed this for so long because I really just kind of assumed that it was going to be a little bit more gruesome and a little bit more of a difficult watch. Mm. And I, I was shocked that it was like as fun as it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like it, it's a you know it's a fun watch for the most part of it. Like you know, in the the moments of humor still worked in there really really well. I think even more so than definitely more so than us. I mean, mm-hmm. Nope has a little bit of, of the the humor in there, but it, it's still mm-hmm. like not as funny as this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not you know to to say that one's better than the other by any on that merit, but like yeah, I I, w- I was shocked to see that. But yeah, so all that said, like my yeah my immediate reaction, I I I was shocked to see how funny it was and how much fun of a ride it was, but at the same time, like how universal it was. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's so tied to his experience as a black filmmaker, mm-hmm. but it was even in, in the same way that Nope, when we talked about is like, man, like I pulled so much out of that as like, you know, it was about abuse and then animal act, animal actors, child actors, mm-hmm. like all the different ways that Hollywood chews up and stunt people mm-hmm. just like chews up and spits out these people. Like this movie was about you know the ruling class commodifying artistic vision as much as it was about you know these like uh, this white family using the you know black bodies for their benefit and and like dehumanizing these people uh, just ugh, so good so good but yeah I, I was I was yeah blown away by like how just universal and and how many different things it touches on yes absolutely and is this a film that you would uh that you would engage with again i think so i mean it's it's like i said it's a lot more fun than i expected it, it is something that uh, you know i i 
I don't have to dread. So I, I, would, I would throw it on again for sure. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of texture, a lot of a layered uh, depth in there oh, yeah. that, you know, I'm sure I could pull stuff out on a rewatch that I'm excited to hear what you pulled out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're gonna break down the film into spoilers. If you if you've uh, if you've seen this film, feel free to join us. If not, you can tag on at the end, and uh, McGee's gonna reveal what he's gonna make me watch for next week. Um, but uh, let's throw it to a break, McGee, and we'll get into uh, our focus group. Huh? The sparkling drinks are just dandy. Andrew McCarthy is interested in more than just a good focus group, McGee. We're gonna start here. Uh, the scene you would show someone to get them to watch. You got a scene? What? what? You're trying to hook somebody, it, it, man. That it's tough. Like, do you go? Do you go big with this, or do you try and keep it like a little bit spoiler free? I, I think based on the marketing, this the, the, if you just want the scene I chose with the hidden yeah. scene, like I was like, you, you gotta. I, I feel like if you want to hook somebody, the the first time that you really kind of, like, yeah, you, you're like what's going on here? Like this is something different. I feel like is the Catherine Kinnear and Daniel Kaluuya in the den. Um, yeah uh, that's that was also that was my choice of like if you wanted to go a little bit more like balls out right. i think maybe you could say like the iced tea uh her pouring where the they're, tea. where they're and it's like the the lead up it's the first right. time that they mention the hypnosis yeah the hypnosis uh the first time she kind of like clicks the glass too like she starts like kind yeah. of like um uh uh sowing the seeds she's either she's like gonna, seeds yeah, yeah she's like setting the seeds yeah. down or maybe yeah there's um yeah so like i think that seems like maybe if you wanted to go a little more subtle creepy with it but yeah mm. the the hypnosis scene where he's you know fully like sinks into the chair and everything like mm. that's where the movie definitely it, you know goes off right. and, and it has its own like clear vision I where it becomes like you know yeah something else entirely I, I can't wait to we're gonna dig into that scene uh specifically as we, as we move on through uh this breakdown but yeah love it that's the scene we both we're, we're in agreement there you go the scene you showed to yeah, get somebody totally. to, uh, to watch this film a, a very rare uh <laughs> a rare moment where we both look at a thing and say well that yeah sure. synergy uh yeah i think there's i think there's plenty of other options though i think like the georgina crying oh my god uh is I mean that, maybe my the best class, line dude. read the best line read in the fucking movie mm. is her just saying no quiet yes and then saying no like the little tiny yes before she starts saying no is so just brutal like her mouth says it but there's like no sounds right. that come out and then she starts saying no 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 right, right. uh it's so good yeah I like that scene by itself I think. I mean, the movie hinges so much on that I, mm. that performance. I right. think, like you, you see her struggling with the weight. You know, we're oh yeah, we're we're fully past the spoiler section. Yeah. So I was gonna say, you see her struggling with the weight of holding two things in her head at once. Like mm. she looks like there are two people in there fighting. We, we, I was gonna get into this later, but uh, I just want a second that like I think that's to me the runaway performance of the film. That sequence, that scene yeah. is, I think, like like. What and this actress is uh, Betty Gabriel. Um, she she goes on to uh to do a um. There's a couple projects in there, but but not as high profile as this um, as even just this um, the small bit suggests. Like I, I wish she would have yeah. just gotten more and more work after this. You know what I mean? Like there's a few people like honestly, I feel like that about the the DP too. We'll get into that later. But like there's a lot of people like that that just like this movie it feels like everybody was firing on full cylinders then you look at like 
the last like few years and it's like damn man I, somebody get these people some fucking scripts <laughs> the, the other thing I, I wanted to make note of is that's not the only dual performance in the film i think there's three that we can call out so uh uh daniel clue is in the din as he's trying to um mm-hmm. he's simultaneously trying to um humor Catherine kinnear's character because she kind of has to like get him in there like oh come on yeah. sit with me a little bit and so he's he's like trying to engage but he's he's unsure a little bit and then when you realize he can't move or he says you know i can't move why can't i move mm-hmm. and and he starts crying like there's, there's this duality in his performance where he he's he's trying to still hold it together a little bit but then something's really seriously yeah. wrong um obviously yeah. the one betty i, I do honest i had to go back and rewind that shot and be like are they digitally stabilizing his head because he like just wouldn't move it gets so creepy like you know as that scene progresses there you know he there's a little bit of movement in it and then there's a point where he's just so frozen and i i was like damn like i wonder if they they used any amount of like digital work to to help maybe freeze him a little bit more in in the frame because like it's fucking creepy how but yeah he, he he really sells that sells it so well there's um so there's like I said Betty Gabriel in the bedroom um Daniel in the den and uh Allison in the asylum so that one Allison Williams shot where she's giving oh. the um she's giving the Allison voice that we know or the Rose voice that we know but her face is yeah. completely frozen uh, it's so creepy Jesus man yeah <laughs> as a performer wow you know I mean? yeah there's some incredible stuff so yeah really cool dual performances that we want to highlight there uh can, can I tell you something about this film that I had noticed before I, I got caught in this viewing oh yes since please. we're on Allison's character um what I had never noticed and what I think speaks to Allison's psychology and state of mind uh, and, and Rose Armitage is is uh, Allison Williams character is after we find out who she is and there's the shot of her on her bed uh, and, you know, she's eating the, she's eating the cereal separate from the milk. <laughs> oh my I mean? God, it's, it's so, so weird. But when you see the photos behind her all framed and hung up now, I never noticed that she hung up all the photos of the black dudes that she had, like all her conquests uh, behind her oh. in that shot. So you have to think about the psychology there because they had just taken him down maybe an hour or two before that, I'm assuming, as they knock him out. But for somebody yeah. then to... They they called her Roro in in the uh, on set. So Roro versus Rose. This Roro character being the the uh, the killer, the, the, the psychopath. Yeah, she has to then go take all of those photos because they weren't in frames before that. That's the other thing. <laughs> They're all yeah. so frame all these photos and then hang them up individually behind. It's her, her trophies. Oh, it's like insane. she's proud of it. It's insane. I've it's, never it's, noticed. It, I mean, that. yeah, that's insane. I didn't notice that either. But that's crazy. I, her her performance in that. I, it's funny because I don't. I didn't really like her performance. I mean, she's really as, good as which at being version hateable. of the character? Uh, just in I get for the bulk of the movie mm-hmm. when she's like in the facade. So I guess Rose. Right. Um, she's she you know she's hateable and like maybe you know, I don't know she does she does a good job. Like it's it's tough to it's uh, it's tough to judge a performance like that because you're just like your my gut reaction is just like oh i hate her so much and then you yeah, you see her this dry cereal eating ass like creep just ugh. of course you're the type that eat dry cereal drink milk fucking with weirdo. a black straw uh jordan peele makes note of that in the commentary <laughs> like that is a very uh um, oh, yeah, specific choice yeah with a black straw I'm like wow 
it, it's a really striking image. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird, but yeah, it is like yeah, her her weird little like trophies in the back are so strange. I I had to. I mean, I I was gonna bring this up later, but it, it her character is just so confounding to me. Like the smile at the end. Oh yeah, when she's getting choked out, incredible. When she's getting choked <laughs> out is so like, what the fuck's going on there? Can, 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 I t- uh, can I take a guess? Can I, can I get a little armchair? Uh, yeah, hit me because so, that is that is that's what we you know I'm I'm you know trying to yeah that is definitely out. one of the things that I did not understand. I feel like obviously these two kids were groomed in this secret society to do this exact purpose to go out and hunt and retrieve black men. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when you're when you're bred in that um, bourgeois high society, you know. Uh, secret cult you're you're a you're going to you're going to um be in a suspended state of animation what, what you're going to be um in a uh, arrested development a sense of arrest development do you know what i mean like i feel mm. like she stops somewhere at like 13 14 in in her um in her psychology which is what the dry cereal is about which was what the milk is about which is what the uh putting mm. her hair in the ponytail is about um like she's in a complete state of regression and um, it, it, it's like what's interesting to me personally is it's, it's 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 like this neat and orderly character that knows where everything is that doesn't have you know a hair out of place that's in complete contrast to like the row that comes in with the uh, bagels and and uh, and or um, donuts and like you know uses her head to like <laughs> knock on the door like where she kind of seems completely out of place. And what's even more insane yeah. about that to me, it's that person is acting as that even when no one's looking do you know what i mean so that moment of her outside the door and knocking like that no one's no one knows who she is or why you know what i mean like there, there's there are no eyes That's on her so like daniel's clueless eyes aren't on her it, yeah it, it's sort of sort of a bit that uh did you ever see um uh, the prestige uh christopher nolan the two magicians mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. remember when yeah. um oh. when um when um spoilers for yeah, the spoilers prestige for the coming up um why am i forgetting my man's name batman uh Christian Bale. Christian Bale. When Christian Bale says to Hugh Jackman's character, the trick. So there, there's a, there's another magician that both Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale go to visit, and um, the magician is this old elderly Asian dude that like makes the bowl of water or the fish like disappear, like he puts it under his coat. And as they're watching this old man come out of the um, of of uh, the performance is done, and he's leaving for the night, and he like goes to his uh, his limo, but he's still kind of like hobbling along. And what he says to him yeah. is like, "The performance wasn't on the stage. Like that's where we're all like, this is the performance right here, like that, that he's doing for everybody. Because mm-hmm. you you need to believe that he's a feeble old man for him for it to look, you know, uh, for the magic effect to work on stage for him to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's something in that psychology, just like how twisted this person is to where. I'm going to present as this character no matter what until we get to the mo- moment that we hunt him down. Um, yeah, I, find I, don't, her psychology- I don't drop character right. until the commentary. Uh, oh, I find her psychology uh, to be so interesting. Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that moment in it, but it's funny that you bring that up based on Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal <laughs> in that film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a, one of his lines in the in the movie <laughs> is I don't drop character until the DVD commentary. Uh it, that that's such a that's a great insight. Like I would have, you know, that's the kind of thing you you definitely pick up on a, a rewatch. Right. I, I obviously didn't pick that up in in my viewing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she it, she does give. I mean, in obviously her costuming in the end has that very like safari mm-hmm. huntress vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and 
you know, with the trophies of the the pictures behind her. And then she's got the gun and the safari outfit. Like she's definitely presented as this like predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I I love your your like take and interpretation there of like them being you know raised as these weapons, mm-hmm. these like predators, and and being then it's stuck in that state. That's yeah, really 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 wild. Yeah, to be that committed to the character, right. uh, but I mean that, that is, you know, I guess what you got to do to not slip up. I don't know. I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there something that you didn't understand that you still don't understand about this movie in that same way? Is like, is there anything you caught on this viewing that you were just like still hasn't kind of puzzled for you? about? There, there are two things I want to hit you with. Um, one, when Daniel discovers Daniel Kaluuya, when he discovers the photos. I, I think I know why, but why do you think he he keeps relying on Allison for help in that moment? Because a he, he does know. he he know he, she lied to him right because she said this is my my first yeah. you know in relation relationship or my first black boyfriend so he knows that's a lie immediately right I, I I'm assuming he just wants to kind of placate her enough to at least just get outside to the car but I'm really wondering I'm like if the if the roles were reversed. And I had to be there. Like, do you just do you just grab her immediately and put a knife to her throat or something? Like, walk yeah. yourself outside or something like that? Like, how, how do you? I don't know why I don't he think keeps he's relying. figured it out as much. I don't like. I, like he's still kind of. He has not figured it out as much as the audience has at that point for sure. I I think there's a there is a point even like before that where I thought that he knew more and right. then he's you know he's kind of still going through like he's he's like stuck doing going through the motions like he's still a little bit too polite to just say like fuck that and fuck you i'm out of here like just in case this is all bullshit like he's still not really trusting himself that like this situation is fucked up and i need to just get out of here like he's still trying to save face like oh my dog's sick right uh, you know, like gotta get home. Even needing an excuse to leave is like, no, you never, you don't have to ever see these people again. Fuck that, get out, get out of there, get safe. Right. Like, you do you. It's it's those like polite bullshit of the society that like, I mean, what's he, does he references like fucking Tomer or oh right? yeah, yeah. Uh, Lorel re- references his Dahmer. buddy references. <laughs> Jeff- <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's how fucking serial killers work though. Right. Right? Is they like they get you to obey by the like oh right. like polite social norms. Soci- rules of society yeah. social yeah. norms and then they lure you into a situation where they're like I don't got any fucking norms bitch no meet in your face like <laughs> yeah like so uh, yeah I, I I think in that same in that same vein like you know it, it's that classic just like obeying the norms right. a little bit maybe. But yeah, there was definitely. I was just like, no, why, why? <laughs> I got, I got a second one. So that was a little bit of a softball because I, I kind of, I could work my way there. I can kind of understand. This is something that I, I think is, is it strains credulity a little bit, but it's interesting how the family pivots. So, um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who plays Andre in the film, Andre Hayworth, and that's the character that goes missing immediately in the prologue, and then we meet him again at the auction party. This whole weekend is a ruse, right? So the Armitage family is bringing potential buyers in to inspect the merchandise, yeah. and then one of them is going to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, make the make the bid to be in Kalua's body, right? So Andre having the flash in his eye and then coming alive in front of everybody was completely unplanned. Like, and so everything that kind of seems like it's supposed to be a little innocuous and, um. It, it, or is actually pre-planned. It, you know, Catherine Kinnear, um, um, 
giving people a chance to observe Daniel Kaluuya and what's supposed to seem like a uh, completely harmless event. Yeah, there's, but they're like all yeah, observing right, and the, hunting. Right, there's a very um, set purpose. But that was something that changed every like, changed the moment. So how they pivoted mm-hmm. from that to then not only you know rehypnotize him, but have him come out and explain himself. Uh, I, I just find all of that to be really interesting. And if that sped up the process, like how the family then pivots from that moment, because that was unplanned. And and, and the, the large bit about that is they have the auction then while Allison and him are out discussing leaving by the boat then, right? So mm-hmm. they're trying to make their escape plan. Did she take him out there on purpose? Or, or maybe this was planned. Like they need to get him out the way so they can mm, have this auction. So they can have the auction. Because if that photo's out there of him and he walks, like, well, how do you explain that as a family? If they walk out there, if he walks and he just stumbles upon his large framed photo there, as, you know, it's like, how do you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm rambling oh, a little yeah, bit here. Yeah. But it, it, it feels like, obviously, the Andre thing was unplanned. How they pivot, what are your thoughts on, on how they keep up yeah, the Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be that they have to, like, accelerate the plan because of, uh, like, the Andre throwing things off or, you know, Logan slash Andre right. Uh, right. Uh, and his, like, you know, lapse in or, like, you know, consciousness, basically. Synapse whatever. kind of misfiring um, there. Yeah, he gets he gets a he surfaces for just a moment and, yeah. and gets the shout one morning, which is just like a fucking horrifying. I love it. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you could you could read that as them like having to pivot and and improvise, or maybe this was the plan all along. I like that; that makes it super fucking nefarious too. Right. And like you know the, the especially the girlfriend like it just being like, oh yeah, totally. Like let's just get out of here, right. whatever. Like let's do it. Right. Like just pacifying him because she knows like oh, we just need you to stay like four more hours. Right. Like it, you know like oh yeah we'll leave tonight at midnight because like i know that shit's going down at 10 p.m or whatever like so like as long as you can get them to agree to that like then you're golden like yeah. maybe yeah that I, I buy it that's cool okay uh anything you didn't understand a, what, what was uh that's i mean this is something i don't understand it's actually something i tr- i tried to look up and i couldn't i literally found no one talking about this online but i recognized the photography that they were saying was the main characters who was it it's a photographer who goes by the name of boogie um but he's huh. a he's a serbian dude from brooklyn um so i just thought it was so interesting i mean most uh, mostly because i've just like i've seen some of those images are like really striking and, and mm-hmm. iconic like the, the the pigeon shot that's in his uh, bedroom right. or in his like living room or whatever is is the one I immediately recognize. But then the, the even the pregnant belly, yeah, I know is is one of his shots that's iconic. Like all of the, they basically use all of Boogie's work uh, to as the characters. Wow, um, which is so interesting when I think that the so much of the you know, I mean we're about to talk about the morality of the movie, but I think so much of the like moral heart of this film lies in like chris's artistic vision Mm -hmm. and what that represents Mm -hmm. uh and so i just i was surprised to not hear not have anything from jordan peele talking about like why boogie why this serbian photographer uh i just thought that was a really interesting choice and something that that, that's uh i I could not find anyone talking about like literally could not find any 
any hits on any articles that even mention Boogie in conjunction with this movie, even though his photography is such a crucial part of, of you know, not entirely crucial. Like, the, it, it doesn't hang on the imagery of it, but, like, plot-wise, Chris's vision as an artist is 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 pretty crucial. And I think, especially to the, the point he's making at the end by having uh the the guy who's ends up winning the bid for his body mm-hmm. doing it quote for his eye steven root uh, I, want, I want those uh, things you which, see through <laughs> uh, it's so creepy such a good performance too and i i mean that i that was the point when i like had to pause the movie and like stand up and just like breathe for a second because i was just like wow that that twist really drove it home for me where i was like this is so fucking cool like this is so much more than just like aren't racist dumbasses or like racist people are creepy but like the the commodification of your being like who you are as a person and how that allows you to make art and somebody trying to just rip that from you and steal that from you Like, like if we were the monsters and we're trying to take everyone's power in the bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in the mo- oh my God. Dude, I can't believe, I don't, is that the, this, there's no way he wasn't that anyone has ever compared Get Out to Space Jam. The, the body horror implications of Space Jam. I want to cut, I want to cut of the trailer of Space Jam with the Get right. Out soundtrack on my desk by noon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Michael's magic stuff, <laughs> secret stuff in the house. <laughs> with that like terrible chaotic like violins. Uh, like. Welcome to the jam. Yeah, I, I think that's um <laughs> the slowed down minor key. <laughs> welcome to the jam. I, I think that I think that's dude. Yeah, so this this is again why I love talking to you about film because that's really interesting. I, I hadn't, I wasn't aware of that artist before this. It, literally, this comment in, in this moment, I'm I'm curious just to kind of understand your question. Are you wanting? Did you want Jordan to comment on this as a as a? I, I chose this photographer because I feel like it says X about this character, or I wanted I the morality of the film is a little tainted for you because they're not acknowledging an artist because. An, an artist that contributed it's, to it. It's not, that... Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that it's tainted by any means. Like, I think I just want to know what, because there's so much intentionality in so many of the choices, yeah. and, and the imagery that he uses is so striking. Right. And, and I just cannot imagine that that didn't cross his mind. Right. That being such a, a part of the climax of the movie, mm-hmm. and what I feel like is, is so much of like the moral core of this movie, mm-hmm. and even, you know, he goes on to explore in Nope, where he's he's talking about you know how how you know our bodies get chewed up by the industry, mm-hmm. and you know he talks about how your vision is chewed up and spit out and repurposed. Like, and it, you know it, it's you know I obviously I'm not taking away from the the message of the African American experience as it's portrayed in this movie, but I I was just struck by how universal it was and and how much he was speaking to not just his experience as a black man in America, but his, his experience as a black artist in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, yeah. As a really, commentary really cool. through these photos. is a commentary on that through the selection of... I mean, the, the movie, and I think the the movie at as a whole. Large, yeah. like, 
as a whole is right. is an okay. ex- exploration of not just black men in America, mm-hmm. but his specific journey as a as a black artist, right. working for Hollywood and and people trying to take his vision and make money off of it right yeah. like that's that's what we all do we all get hired by by somebody who writes a check and at the end of the day they're hoping that they get more money out of the vision that they hired us to execute right. and like you know sometimes you work for people that are a little bit more like bradley whitford where they <laughs> act like they're on your team and you're like no you would you would gut me on the table in a fucking heartbeat like you just see it in their eyes it doesn't matter how many fucking nice things they say about obama to you like mm-hmm. you would you would rip me open for a dollar like mm. it's interesting <laughs> that is interesting yeah yeah that's really interesting so i, I yeah that i i don't think that's not really something that bothered me but it was something that i had you know right. toiled with and tried to understand like i i am curious though like mm-hmm. Is there anything in this movie that bothers you? And and also as a like come to compound that, is there anything that maybe bothered you before that you've softened on over time? Uh the fist bump. I hate the fist bump. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have never in my life rotated my shoulder cuff to lift my hand up to dab somebody up. That, that's not even a natural movement in 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 uh black like Wait, which so the scene where he lifts his shoulder up and then uh Dan, and uh Keith Stanfield goes to shake it. I understand Oh he just grabs his yeah, and fist. I, and I understand what he's doing there. Obviously the visual like it, it, it's very clear, but how he lifts his arm up into the frame and <laughs> it's so awkward that I, I just yeah. I, I've never done that. And it's it feels so unnatural. Um uh, then if I'm going, you know, you know, to hey, what's up, homie? You know, like, and just dab somebody up. Yeah, like I've, yeah. I've never done that movement before. So it, it bothers me, but I I've I've softened on that. Um uh, that's a, a funny. sense that's just there's two more things i want to hit you with uh we're, we're, we're gonna make these quick but i am sensitive to runs on screen sean knows this about me i don't, I don't know why i don't know why i am but but certain <laughs> big how, Tom Cruise, yeah, big uh, fallout guy over here um how you run on screen needs to look right for me personally i don't i don't know so marcus henderson's run i like the run towards him in the middle of the night like as he's running you know arms you know Boom, 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 like as he's running. That looks great. The cut, uh, not not the dolly zoom where it kind of pushes in uh to uh Daniel Clue's face in mm-hmm. the background uh shifts. Not that it's the cut immediately after we after we see him make that cut. Like the lawn chair is there, and there's another item that's there <laughs> that his like his like he starts stutter stepping a little bit to kind of like avoid it, yeah. but his arms are so cool. I hate that. <laughs> it looks I, I would have like I would have much rather them just move those objects out of the way so he can still kind of have that same stride. Um, in and uh, to bounce off of that, in addition to that, the run at the end. So <laughs> as he's running towards him, um, and she's like, you know, Grandpa, get him, and she has, you know, she, she has him like, uh, uh, um, uh, she has him in his sights, and and he runs past the screen. The wide of him running, um, looks bad. It, 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 he's like he's running fast, but he's uh, he's he's appearing as if he's running fast, fast, but he's really running slow for the camera. And what's interesting, uh, mm. we had a conversation, um, uh, another episode about After Hours, and Gri- I didn't bring this up during that episode, but Griffin Dune makes note about this, about actors um, asked to kind of slow down their stride for camera, but he wasn't asked to do that for those sequences that Marty, Marty was just like running a full, you know, clip. Like, you, I want to yeah, get that yeah, sense yeah. of you running. So it actually feels like he's running through those, um, those, uh, those streets at night. And this sequence, you can yeah. tell that he's trying to, 
like like slow down your strength. Like still, yeah, keep the keep your arms moving like this. But the, it it looks wrong to my eye before he tackles him. So those two yeah. things kind of bother me. I've come to forgive them now, but when I watch them, they're, they're a little annoying. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that, it didn't stand out to me then. I, the the turn when he's running at him definitely is a little awkward because you're like, what what was the plan there? Like, what's the point of that? <laughs> It's you know he brings like, it up in the you... commentary is something that depth is like um a thing that he wanted to play with if, if we think about like early cinema history like the train uh being projected on the screen mm-hmm. and people not knowing that it's not coming out uh, out of the wall um that that the that shot's very effective yeah. like with him running straight at him it's just yeah the, what's the character the thinking in that mode <laughs> like why would you be running directly and then he hit it's, the it's definitely some like hitchcock fridge logic like you know it's that kind of thing where you're like as long as long as it works in the moment it's okay but it's right it, i mean that's that depends on your tolerance like hitchcock fame you know famously loved was like i did not care if it as long as it works in the moment doesn't matter if it you're thinking about it the day after because then you're talking about the movie the day after win-win like so totally i think valid uh and i think you know that shot is is pretty iconic to the film at this point mm-hmm. let him running at the lens yeah i did like you have a little bit of a like monty python uh gag in my head of like cutting back and forth uh it, it, not, familiar with he, the he's not python. getting closer or he's uh yeah, yeah he's <laughs> just just like continuing to cut right. back and forth from the run and <laughs> right, it's like right. you're like scared at first and then you get a little bit bored right. and then you're like how long is this taking and then he finally gets there and then you're like oh god shit oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah sensitive to runs uh sean you want to go in the way way back machine let, let, let's uh put this film in the grover cleveland's presidential time machine uh and, and see if we can send it back to uh 1990 does this film work if we were to put it in t- time machine to to, to 1990 i'm gonna say That's no good, i mean I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say no because choking a white girl on screen is like hey it's like a, <laughs> oh yeah that ending that ending would yeah, get, like a, get, get i don't, I don't know if you can do sure. that i don't know if you can put that uh I don't know if audiences were not ready even, for that. Not even if she likes it. Uh, <laughs> Especially if she likes it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. You're right. Uh, shit. Uh, no, I I mean, yeah. We You brought up uh, Spike Lee earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look at the fucking shit that he got for... Mm trying to put out that movie mm-hmm. and then, that's around the same time period right for do w- which one are we talking about do the right thing isn't isn't do the right thing around this time and they were like oh 90s no, him, or like know. 88 88 was do the right thing okay so yeah i mean you're talking 90 um so yeah if if, if that had just come out in 88 mm-hmm. that you know if this movie's kind of happening a, a, a 1990 version of it in conversation with uh i, I mean because i mean there's so much uh you know I, I think uh what's the the Sydney Poitier movie? Which um, one? Oh, guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that uh that has been referenced mm-hmm. in in the conversation about this movie plenty mm-hmm. of times, and it's like in in as much as that it, that is a movie for white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And this is definitely uh, like unashamedly like a movie like for black people about mm-hmm. the like you know obviously yeah we talked about it being universal, mm-hmm. but this is something that that takes into the account the 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 black perspective of this story mm-hmm. um could you do that in 1990 and i gotta correct it myself ha- really quick i apologize do the right thing was 1989 yeah. not a uh, 1988 so i apologize 1989 yeah, yeah. yeah. Close, close enough close enough for horseshoes or whatever <laughs> uh yeah i think i i don't 
Mm. I don't know. I don't think it could have gotten made, obviously. I yeah. think, you know, it wouldn't have had the impact that it did now. Because I feel like also um, what's, what's so smart about the film is that it attacks white liberal elites. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think the easier mm. draw would have been more of the conservative, um, yeah. down south version to of make that. It more of like a deliverance right almost, you and know. if we're talking about Sidney Poitier uh in the heat of the night like you would have gotten more of of that type of white southerner that you were competing against like that was more I feel like mm-hmm. commonplace than the altruistic um liberal socialite you know what I mean like that's something yeah. that he brings to it that that's a little bit more contemporary a little bit um totally and I, I mean and that is the like I mean fucking even though Bradley Cooper's character seems like exactly like the type to quote MLK and for terrible reasons. Like, <laughs> well, isn't that the like? I don't remember the, the like the 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 real hindrance to progress being the like fucking just slightly left of center people. Right. Who oh, right. Yes. Sell yes, you yes. out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember what the the full sentiment was, but like it. This movie feels like you know taking that quote and mm-hmm. being like, let me just write a feature about that idea. In in, in you know that's reductive, but like. I, I do think that the movie has something to say about that quote. Not as much as you think. Did you read any of the uh, how this the genesis of this idea? Check this out. No, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, have you ever seen Eddie Murphy Delirious? I can't remember if it's Delirious or Raw, but have you seen any of the, those stand ups? Where he's in, yeah, yeah. The, there's the joke recently, in there. But... Um, uh, Jordan Peele in the commentary talks about how he there, there are a lot of obviously there are a lot of influences, but one of the main ones that he brings up is the uh, the delirious bit or the raw bit where Eddie Murphy uh, goes into the haunted house and how black people and white people react different to that. So they walk into the haunted. He's like, "Oh, it's a beautiful house." And he's like, "The ghost is like get out." And he's like, "Oh, too bad we can't stay." <laughs> he turns around. So that <laughs> that kind of being um, uh, that small joke leading to you know the uh, wow to, to, what, to what we uh, have here. So. There, there are a bunch of different. That that's not the only thing, obviously, but there, uh, that's one of the things that he calls out in the film. So, interesting stuff. Uh, Sean, before we throw it to an ad break, um, a priest, a Buddhist, and a rabbi are talking about this film. Uh, how, how do they judge our main characters here? <laughs> what's the uh, what's the morality judgment on this film? Do you think uh, <laughs> the morality judgment from the audience perspective, uh, or from like from the films? I guess I'll, I'll answer both. Okay, because I I think the the like morality of this film as it as it presents itself uh is you know about like we were talking earlier like commodifying someone else's experience and perspective and and profiting you know seeking seeking to profit or seeking to commodify seeking to extract value out of it and and looking at other people as things to extract value from like I I absolutely love it. I I the morality of this movie as the as, as a priest, a Buddhist, and a rabbi watching it. I I'm curious what they would say about the ending. Like, uh, does that count as self defense? Him like tearing his way through the house, uh, uh, tearing his way through the family on the way out. Unquestionably, unquestionably, you you with the agency. <laughs> you're, you're always like, yeah, unquestionably, fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, oh yeah. I mean, I agree. They, I'm, they, not, they, uh, I'm not. They locked you up in the, in the basement. Start showing you produced videos of their secret society. Like, oh I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm they slaying were absolutely, that whole family. <laughs> Speak, speaking of the religious aspect of is there like 
the is there a stigmata like a christianity mm, thing with, with the knife getting stabbed the hand? Bit, that's interesting i didn't i didn't think about I, that I, I was trying to figure out if there was something there with the if he was trying to come up with uh some sort of, of jesus mm-hmm. uh illusion there but I, I i was struggling to to understand uh, at stretch. least on this watch you probably stretch and make that work i, I like that I, yeah. I like that idea i hadn't thought about that hi sean here this is an ad break, or rather it would be if we had advertisers. Personally, I worked in advertising for almost a decade, and I'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes. But if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more. Help us turn this into a little community. Give us feedback, you know. And if you really want to send us money, we do have a Patreon. All right, let's get back to the episode. Uh, multiverse casting couch of madness. We're going to talk about some of our favorite performances. Uh, would this performance work in every universe? Does this actor nail it? But I've liked to see someone else in this role. Um, Sean, I, I got to start here in terms of performance or talking about performances. What I found to be so this is also like a rewatchable thing. Like if you you know rewatch it a bunch of times, you're gonna gonna catch some of these. But uh, every single line that Bradley Whitford says when he meets uh when he meets him at the door um and they're having their first sort of introduction is a double entendre to what's actually going on and then i found it so awesome so he says things like you know isn't it nice to experience another person's culture as he's like walking uh with daniel kalua through the oh, hallway yeah. he, he also says uh don't worry about what's in that door there's some black mold down there um <laughs> like, a, like another a small like indicator there, there's many of those like like lines that he says um at the beginning of that that i just yeah. found like so awesome um his performance, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit more, because you were you were brushing up a little bit with Allison Wilson's performance, right? Like you, you're saying, it, it kind of struck you a, a uh, is false a right way to categorize that? Like a little false, or how how are you responding to that? Because I, I think I may feel it's similar to Bradley Whitford's performance, but I have a I similar to how I defended her, I could see him. He's trying a little too hard. Do you know what I mean? Like he's trying a little too hard yeah. to be personable. When the evil time comes and he is, you know, he's he's over by the fireplace and he's doing the whole speech. He's trying to. He's a little it's too so hard goofy. to be menacing. And I, and I feel like that's kind of part of. So as Roman is grooming his son to be, you know, uh, getting the guests together, you know, making this black man feel welcome. Like he he has the job of a host and he's not altogether good at it. Or you know, he or he doesn't know how to draw some of it back a little bit or or go a little too far with it but it, that that's sort of his struggle as he's trying to put on this performance what do you think about that yeah i mean i i think it's also a choice too because i i think like okay comparing comparing his performance with uh allison's performance as rose mm-hmm. like i think what I, what I brushed up against allison as rose mm-hmm. in the first half of the movie right. is she feels very much like she's in a horror movie really okay like her 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 kind of deliveries is that like she's the classic like oh what's going on i totally don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on and like it she's like pushing the story forward which i think justifiably so because you know the reveal like she is putting on an act and Mm -hmm. she is the one who's like kind of shepherding him and pushing him Mm -hmm. into the 
the the events. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, I I think like you said, you you defended it, and I I I softened on it a bit. Um, but it it brushed me wrong in the same way. So I I, I would argue too, like with Bradley Cooper's performance there. Or wait, Whitford. I just said Bradley Cooper. Whitford. Bradley. I th- I probably said that a couple times. Um, but yeah, you're good. Wait, uh, Bradley Whitford's uh, character. Yeah, uh, Bradley Whitford's character. Um, like, the, yeah, like his line reading at the end when he's staring into the fireplace and he's like, "We are but gods in cocoons or whatever." <laughs> right. Like, I've I've heard him give better readings than that. Like, I feel like he is purposefully making that sound lame. You know, like he's not he's not trying to be fucking Jafar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to be like a dude cosplaying as Jafar. Right. Uh, so I like because yeah, I, I do we'll think find he's, out just he's how had... snake like I can be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think like his when I I really love uh, his performance is at the uh, the like party before the the bingo auction mm. um, when he's like kind of obviously trying to like throw little softball questions at Chris mm-hmm. to get him to answer them for the crowd like mm-hmm. especially when the the Asian guy is asking him about that you know yeah, ooh, that's a tough American one experience <laughs> right. and, oh that's a tough one uh that he, Bradley does this like uh, thing that I love it where he like kind of clicks his toe on the ground mm-hmm. where he's like awkwardly like he's like can't sit still mm-hmm. like he's squirming and he like clicks his foot mm. and is like standing on one foot. Like he can't, he's just shifting his weight all the time. Like he's just got that, yeah, he, like he just uneasy host vibe mm. where you feel his purpose turning. Mm. Like he's no longer trying to keep the, in the first half of the movie, he's trying to keep Chris comfortable mm-hmm. and like pacified. Mm-hmm. And now he's showing him off as like an object to sell. Right. And like, he, you know, you really feel the turn of, of him going into this mode where he's like showing off this, you know, objectified body that right. he is trying to hawk to the highest bidder. Right. And, and like, I, you, I feel like you get to see that transition in his character more mm-hmm. where you know rose going to row row like mm-hmm. happens in more of a split instant mm-hmm. where it's maybe more impressive because you get to see the contrast in the characters mm-hmm. right away um but i i like what what bradley whitford was doing in that performance too absolutely um i want to move on to Catherine Kinnear's missy uh there's so many interesting things that she does in this performance. There's one that I'm going to call out that, that to me just burns a, a hole in my soul because <laughs> I've seen this look <laughs> personally. But um, the one bit, I, we we're talking about just like small things she does. She in the, um, in the what I'm going to call the Silence of the Lambs scene, like this is his uh, uh uh, Clarice and, and and Hannibal Lecter through the uh, through the through the um, cell conversation, um, yeah. Where she's stirring the glass and it's at, it's at minute thirty two and she repeats that's right like she goes uh, it's like a breathless like that's right that's right and she kind of she says it twice it's a very odd moment but she's in it's in response to Chris uh, at, at the smoking conversation like do you smoke in front of my daughter uh, you know I'm trying to quit oh, oh yeah but she's how she says the line is so interesting um, l- love that you know just want to. Make you uh, just a quick note about her performance in that moment. Yeah. We do use focal points sometimes to guide someone into a state of heightened suggestibility. Heightened suggestibility. That's right. That's right. 
her the her line right before that when she is like that she says that do you smoke in front of my daughter with such venom mm-hmm. and such like it, that's you when know turn. Yeah, you could, yeah. she, that's she's so uncomfortable in that scene mm-hmm. like i you know it's it's almost to the point where i'm like she's such a like nice welcoming presence mm-hmm. and like and you see why she's cast for that part of it mm-hmm. and i was like you know does she really have the like ominous horrifying aspect that you'd need for this role and then yeah there's that flash of it in that moment where i'm just like oh yeah no my butthole just puckered like uh, <laughs> i'm good like yeah no she's she's great in this awesome uh the, the, i think the the whole family i mean caleb uh caleb we talked briefly jones. like caleb Landry jones it just perfect mm-hmm. snotty rich asshole oh my god I, I I was listening I, to a podcast where someone described him as mangy. You know what I mean? Just like the hair. Mangy. This really, I thought it was yeah. perfect. I, I got uh, I believe those are watchables podcasts. Uh, I have to shout that out. Like that was it was an incredible description. Like um, I'm trying to figure out like what's the accent that he's doing? Like well, who is he impersonating there? Because he's doing this weird like like baby pucker face. Like he's trying to be a male model. And he's got this like goofy affectation in his voice where you're like, none of the other people have that accent. Like you're put, that's a fake accent. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to be honest. This, but this I, not a, even though I bet. This, this is another sentiment because you say that sometimes your little um, sound or music doesn't necessarily hit you on a first viewing. Accents are things for me. Like when people tell me, oh, do you hear that person's accent? Like you got to be really um distinct or bad like it's, it's got to be on the level of like uh, john malkovich in uh rounders like the kgb <laughs> like russian accent that john Mal- like, where it's like where bad. Is my mind? <laughs> yeah. like it's gonna be that bad for me to kind of like notice so i didn't necessarily notice an accent with caleb landry jones but what i would disagree a little bit or push back a little bit on you is i don't think there's a male model s going like it, it almost to me seems like a, a, a lack of vanity and he's the one that I feel like um, since his methods of wrangling are so violent, like he's the he's the I'm not gonna sweet talk you or you know whatever. Like I'm literally just gonna grab you off the street. You know what I mean with his, with this uh, Knights of Templar mass uh, helmet thing that he has on, uh, uh, incredible. But he's the one that almost feels like I can't act. Do you know what I mean? Like 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 I'm I'm on the uh, like I'm barely holding it together on the surface. Yeah, and, and uh, um uh. uh we're about this close to just like moving some furniture right now. Do you know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I, you yeah. Know I, mean? like, I love I, the. I don't. I don't wrestle with drunk dudes or whatever the oh, line is. Right, right. Such, I'm like, ooh, I need to put like, that. When in he my like pocket. gets up, like, yeah, gets up the ground. That, that would have solved me some problems back in the day if I would have had that rule. <laughs> right, <laughs> but um, I, I feel so. That's the that's the one, and and I've heard some some different critiques going back and forth about that performance. It's one that I personally love. I, I am. Everything Caleb Landry Jones is doing, and that's where he feels the most like an animal. Do you know, like, like, yeah. a, like on the like something that's deeply tortured, deeply violent. Uh, just there, there, there's something, there's something very unsettling with this with this character, and yeah. and it, it's beyond. I think what assists this. We'll just, uh, I'm going to not spoil one of my shot for shots, but I do want to kind of talk about his performance at the dinner table. And this will lead us into our next little bit. Um, The performance that I just like to, uh, you know, like kind of pick up and and drop in another movie. Um, The, the candlelight at the table feels real Barry Lyndon to me. Um, 
and it adds a sense of uh, adds a, you know there's an ominous tone to that but the pinprick of light that it adds into his pupils in his close-up just feels mm. evil evil in a way that that, that it's like 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 the ted bundy court photo if you put those photos side by side what I find really interesting about the it, these are eyes that I need you to remember. I need you to cause something that we got going on that I, I need you to remember how these eyes are shot. So in that Ted right. Bundy photo, the court shot, the famous court shot Ted Bundy photo. If you guys have, just type it up in Google if you want to bring it up, one of his pupils is lit and one is completely dead, and it is the creepiest fucking thing, creepiest fucking thing in, in, in my, like it, it just reads evil to me and i swear caleb landry jones has those same pupils in that scene like it reminds me of to, where something behind those eyes it's just yeah oh he he i mean in the same way that you know i we talked about them both being like predators is like rose comes off as like a fucking panther and he comes off as like a rabid dog right like they are they're both like you know these like apex predators but yeah they are two different animals entirely like that's a really cool uh really cool like thing to point out for sure oh so really great performance oh incredible oh i uh, as far as like pick up and put in another performance or put uh, pick up this um uh Caleb Landry's performance I want him to drop directly into Matt Reeves the Batman that audition tape should have been for Joker like he that uh I like Barry King um uh, uh Barry Kingan Barry um oh I'm gonna butcher his last name oh yeah and yeah the from the bat from Matt right. Reeves the Batman a- incredible actor and and Banshees have been cheering he had an incredible oh, yeah. sequence like I like it a lot but this that's the fucking Joker dude like that's who Matt yeah. Reeves Joker should have been um Love that performance. Love I, his take on I it. like it. I like it for sure. It, especially the like grimy, like right. unhinged, just chaos, right. like roiling, right, like right on the surface. I, I think that would that would have been especially for Matt Reeves' mm-hmm. uh, Batman too. Like I, that that would fit that aesthetic. That would right. be, that'd be dope. That'd be way more interesting than the like terrible makeup that we got. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, I hate it. That was the weak, the weakest part of that film for sure. Yeah, it's like, like the the nails, his, his those broken nails. Or the oh, nails it was like, so so just like just it, I, I just completely not effective yeah. for me at all. I felt like that was just like I was looking at a like uh somebody's like student film mm. where they were like p- practicing with different makeup stuff right. uh, or like a, or literally it looked like a makeup test, but right. um yeah, just. Uh, not a not a not the highlight of that but otherwise you know good movie um so what what performance would i like to pick up and drop in another movie yeah. i'm shocked that you didn't go aware this, What's this way with it uh but i want to see that fucking tsa agent i, w- I want to see him in every fucking horror movie <laughs> just being the meta like breaking the fourth the, uh, wall the audience surrogate <laughs> yeah say. the audience surrogate that was one thing i actually didn't talk about in the in the morality section that i love the idea that we we put the audience surrogate on the screen mm-hmm. of like the guy who's yelling at the screen like don't go in there those mm-hmm. motherfuckers are gonna make you sex slaves <laughs> right, like right you made him a character in that movie and you made him the hero of the movie. Like you made him save the day in the right. end is so it's yeah. It part of the reason why this movie is a fucking joy, I think is, is totally hinges on, on Laurel's character. I, I, I love that character. I love that performance. It's so funny. I would drop him in every horror movie ever made. Just keep put, keep putting him in. I want him in like a, like a fucking yeah, reoccurring bit. That's hilarious. Uh, I do want to say two more things about the acting performances. Uh, 
really really quick and we'll move on mm-hmm. uh one this film has some of the most awesome names of uh side characters that that won't get a whole lot of shine there's one i'm going to call out that i think has the most awesome name in this cast rutherford cravens <laughs> rutherford cravens <laughs> real name was the uh uh, the bigger dude that was at the party uh, with the goatee, like the soul patch goatee, white soul mm-hmm. patch goatee. Him and Wait, his is wife. that is that the actor's name? Yeah, the actor's name is or Rutherford. Rutherford Craven. That's the dude. That's oh his, damn! That's I thought name. that was like a. <laughs> that's damn. His name. And you know why you should know this Rutherford, name? I'm, I'm putting that one in my pocket for D. That's going to be a D and D character for <laughs> sure. But uh, here's why we should know Rutherford this name. Rutherford Here's why we should know this name, uh, McGee, because. We've been living with Rutherford for uh, since childhood, and we didn't know it. Right? He was oh. reporter number one in RoboCop. Didn't didn't realize that one. Oh. He was white promoter in Ray. Now that's a biopic I've seen. I, I don't know if you've done. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's it's tough when you're when you have white as the first <laughs> thing in your character name is bad. It's never not a great sign. But he was gun store clerk in No Country for Old Men. That's that's one of the. I mean, that's you know, Rutherford Cravens is exactly the kind of motherfucker that SAG is on strike for right now, Absolutely. right? Like, these are, yeah. you, you, like this motherfucker has been in, you know, from RoboCop to No Country for Old Men to <laughs> right, Get Out. Like right, right. that is like four decades right, of, yeah. like, but you you need Classics. actors like that. <laughs> Classic under you, his you, belt. <laughs> classics under his belt and like you know he barely ever gets a fucking name mm-hmm. he's gun store clerk and white promoter <laughs> reporter number right, one right. like he, he only gets a name in this movie because jordan peele thought ahead mm-hmm. to give him a name nobody calls him out by name he could mm-hmm. easily be fucking white guest number four then mm-hmm. he would have another white credit on his fucking list unnamed mm-hmm. but like that man still deserves to make a fucking living like he is crucial color mm-hmm. like you need every piece of this puzzle to make a movie like no the movies don't get made with like 10 people they Absolutely. get made with a couple fucking hundred people Absolutely. and everybody deserves to make a fair living uh Absolutely. so rutherford cravens Shit. we're fucking out there doing it for you motherfucker salutes. love it salutes Ruther- salute <laughs> salute that name will live on forever <laughs> so obviously daniel kalua's performance in this is amazing mm-hmm. i don't think he is replaceable but mm-hmm. i did have a moment when I had this segment in mind and I was thinking like can you imagine the version of this movie where uh Lakeith and Daniel switch roles oh, I can I can and, right? and here's here's the thing and you're not I'm obviously I'm positing this to you I don't expect you to have you know the the forefront opinion but you're the only guy here so let's talk about it there's and, <laughs> yeah, and Jordan good. Peele brings it up in the commentary too right there is a thing about hiring British black men to play American black men roles, right? To to play, um, mm-hmm. uh, what we what, do it with our superheroes too. Shit, you know, it, it, uh, Superman, Spider Man, they're right. all Brits. Motherfuckers <laughs> taking our jobs. Um, oh, you said Superman, Su- Superman, uh, Henry Cavill. Oh, 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 British in general. I see. <laughs> Oh yeah, I got you. I got you. I was okay. saying, yeah, I was saying, yeah, the yeah. Brits oh, yeah. are taking yeah, all yeah, the taking, fucking yeah. jobs. Australians. That, that should be an American. Be Superman, motherfucker. Like, so th- Peter Parker should be from New York, right. but like, <laughs> right. nope, 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 he's British. Like, so, that, so, so I feel you. That's I feel a similar. You. <laughs> that's right there on the level. I, uh, that's, that's what right, I'm saying. I, like, <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so that's what I, there. There is that conversation, right? And and yes, there's going. 
brown people worldwide are experiencing a certain level of discrimination that it seems like fair skinned people do not experience, right? Yeah. Um, there's a certain there's a certain caste system that's uh, instituted without even needed to be said, right? I am sensitive to that, particularly in this film, and there are certain. Like the fist bump thing, or yeah. or you know the uh, the certain turns. It's of- a culture thing. It's still a culture, like you know, and it's it's the same thing we were talking about earlier. It's like you can you can know everything about a culture, but that's still different than being from it. So like, nah, I, I get you. I I obviously it doesn't it doesn't brush up against like his performance. Like does not read. I didn't read any of that uh, in the same way. But I, I totally, I totally know what you mean. Cause yeah, right. that's, that's, that's a fucking real thing. Like, you know, that's the whole point of an actor. It, you know, it, they're not just a, a meat puppet giving you your lines. Right. They're bringing their life experience and, and, and their interpretation into the role too. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is, you know, like what's the culture that they came up with? And if it's not the culture that's being depicted, like, yeah, I, I see there being a disconnect there, even as minimal as a disconnect as it might be, because they're fucking amazing. Like, mm-hmm. it's there's still something. Let's uh, one last thing about performance I, I wanted to mention. Um, Catherine Kinnear's look. So a- after they've decided to, to lead the family, Allison and, and uh, Daniel Kaluuya, and they're walking back to the house, and it's almost in slow motion as Kayla Landry Jones is playing the ukulele and and uh, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Kinnear are on the stairs, and they're watching him. Well. Uh, Caleb's not, but uh, Bradley's kind of watching him as he walks up the stairs. Take a look again at this shot when you, when, when you get a chance. Because the look in Catherine Kinnear's eyes, it's, there's a complete look of indifference. Like, almost as if Daniel Kluwa isn't there. She, she has her head kind of mm-hmm. leaned up on it, on his chest. And as she's watching him, th- there's no pity. There's almost no hatred. There, there, there's... Just, uh, there's um, for someone to hate you, there, there's there's got to be a certain sense of acknowledgement of that person is yeah. another being. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, she it's doesn't predator. Yeah, like, she doesn't they, even they, look. It's like like a, like a cat would look at a mouse. Like I, I you're exactly you're like prey. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's so totally. scary in the way that she. It, it's in contrast to the look that she gives him when he comes up from um from the basement and he's covered in blood and she's in the den. When she looks up and her head's kind of tilted to the side and she looks up and she kind of tries to smile slightly. You know, if you go back, she she smiles briefly after. And I'm sorry, let me, let me take that again. So after he knocks the glass to the to the ground um, and, and they're both kind of standing there. So she has no more weapon against him and she knows she's going to have to like physically attack him. She there's almost at that moment she tries to connect a little bit with his humanity. Like like yeah. the look changes and there's a brief smile before she picks up, you know, whatever she picks up. I I, I think it's a letter opener. The letter opener. Yeah. yeah. And stabs him in the middle of the hand. But it, it's these subtle like she can't even deliver that. Not not that Catherine Kinnear's care uh, as an actress can't deliver that. What she delivers is a person that is is trying to connect with someone's humanity, but doesn't yeah. even have it in them to do it well. You know, it's just like there's a totally. slight smile. It, it is, it's, it's indifferent. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's, oh, it's it's. And I've seen this look, dude. I've seen this look in my own yeah. personal life where it's like it's scary, it's scary as shit. Yeah, I mean the the only thing I can relate it to is like when some when like somebody's trying to fight you, like mm-hmm. a fuck you know drunk guy at a bar or right. something, and it's like you you and every word out of their mouth, every body piece of body language, everything like it's all 
funneling in the same direction of like this person is trying to instigate a fight right or or whatever the thing being but like yeah like so i just seeing yeah that that look of just like i'm gonna get what i want out of this right. and like I, you know just looking at you like a not even a piece of meat like right. yeah i mean yeah just horrifying just very super effective i used to say uh, I, it, I, I had that surprise we were getting some uh, back and forth with over like i would almost rather be robbed than i think um attacked by let's say like an animal because at least with with a human like you can almost get like here's my wallet here's something like you can at least you know that person understands your language in, in a certain way you know or i can, can be like with a tiger or a bear or something it's like there's no reasoning with this thing like it, it, it's mind is you're you're a part of the food chain now do you know what i mean like I, yeah. i'm not you, you're not going to get out of this by talking about it. there's no read like, like this is happening i this. mean there's yeah <laughs> there's body language there's whatever but like <laughs> Something that's it, trying, if you're at that point that right, you're being attacked, right. like but, something's got something's like gone a wrong. Tiger, a Bengal like, tiger coming. It's just like yeah. you're not. There's, there's no talking out of this. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that kind of feels like that look a little bit. Like there's no, yeah, there's no, um, there's no reasoning with this thing because and that's 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 the flip side of her look back at him right. when she realizes like oh there's no reasoning back here either. And she's <laughs> right. like oh shit, I, I uh, let her open her. No, that's not gonna work. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> like. Yeah, that's 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 a cool. Kalua cool also. Has, I do think, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that's. Uh, I I think we're we're racing each other to the same point though, and I I think like because I think uh, Kalua's fucking eyes are so mm -hmm. key to this movie. Mm -hmm. Like you know, obviously the 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 media and the 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 shots that come out of this movie, uh, and, and that they use for the promotion of this movie and stuff, so center around like the the tear the tearful paralyzed red eyes, but even in the rest of the movie, like he's, he's carries so much of it in the, in his expression mm -hmm. and in his uneasiness and, and his reaction to everything mm -hmm. that like, I do think the, the, the casting uh, play is interesting to think about like Lakeith in this role. Yeah. And, and even I think that uh, Daniel Kalua, like you get, you seeing his like in the, that black mirror episode with the bikes, mm -hmm. like the, one of the best black mirror episodes, yeah, first like time I saw. his, his yeah, that's me too. Mm -hmm. uh, but his his flips from from like you know more passive mm -hmm. reluctance, and then when he like goes full angry ranting, and then him able to to get, come in and out of those modes, mm -hmm. like I think he would have been really interesting to see mm -hmm. uh, in like Lacey's role where right. he is like trying to wrestle with both of the things in his head at the same right. time. And in in the same way, like Lakeith is a like, fucking amazing actor. Right. I would have loved to see his his anxiety and uneasiness moving through the house and, yeah. and reacting to the first third of this movie mm -hmm. when they're like trying to be his friend and he's mm -hmm. like trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, but that said, I do think that, yeah, Kalua's performance with and his his expressions and and right. everything and um you know we yeah. I, I he he carries this movie so well. Like I I I love the thought experiment, but I also like it's hard to imagine this movie without him for sure. Uh, I want to ask you really quick before we uh, throw it to break. Um, if you were dropped into the shoes of the main character, how's this movie play out, McGee? <laughs> I mean, I'm breaking up with that bitch. I don't. I <laughs> I don't trust her for a minute. Oh, you, it doesn't even get started. The, <laughs> like the I don't even think I, it, the first time she eats her cereal dry in front of me, yeah. I'm breaking up with her. I don't think she does that. 
<laughs> is that too deep in character? But yeah. So then maybe I'm fucked. Maybe then I'm screwed. But uh, what about you? What's when? When are you out? What, how long does this movie last? If, if honestly, you're the honestly, I think Stephen Root is the captain now, and I think he's piloting the ship. <laughs> He's piloting the ship. I'm taking photos you in got, Chicago somewhere. Oh, <laughs> I'm doing street Oop, photography because I don't. I don't think there's any moment. You're taking terrible photos of people. <laughs> oh, hands. you like? I like. I like Boogie's photos. You don't like Boogie's photos? It was Boogie. Oh right? no, 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 no! I love Boogie's photos. I, I was saying that like the the person riding the body now oh, without right. any of the artistic oh, right, expression right, right. is like trying to walk around and do good shit, and it's just like photos of old women's hands <laughs> over and over, and he's just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a wrap for you, boy. Uh, I, I don't make it out that bitch. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> like, it seems like that's oh man. It seems like I'll be if you ever need me to be the guy on the phone going get the fuck out of there. They're gonna make you a sex slave. Like just call me, you. explain the situation, and I'll be the one that's like, I'm no, do not trust you. those people. <laughs> you know, uh, so speaking of, did you not because you you brought up Allison's character not like trusting her from the beginning? I'm not sure how much you knew about this movie. Did you know she was in on it? Like, what what were your feelings about? Rose's yeah, character. I think she right from the start. You knew she was. I hated it? her right away. I oh, hated really? her right okay. away. I mean, even the like her like kind of needling him while he's packing and be, uh, you know, my dad would you know vote. I mean, there the the script is so well done because mm-hmm. it's like those are all of the same like passive aggressive annoying things that like somebody who's trying to seem cool or mm-hmm. seem like an ally but that doesn't quite get it like. That is all the things that they would probably say. Mm. So, it, it you know, it's like maybe that's innocuous, but also mm. like you're right away seeing that disconnect of like they suck as a couple. Uh, you know, like when they're in the car, like she's like bitching about his friend. Like, you know, like she wasn't. She she's got like, on the phone with him. She played with it real a little bit. Like, like but it didn't seem fun. Like that didn't. That was a. Oh, if, I, I mean, if, if I'm in his shoes, I'm like the. They're like it did not seem like a cute banter. It seemed like she was being like annoying and controlling, and then it goes into the cop like you know her trying to like stick up for him by mm. giving the cop shit, and it's like no bitch, like you don't need to do that. Like, What's insane know. about that moment too? I don't know if you caught it on the first viewing, but if if you go back, her withholding his ID from the cop. What is supposed to appear as altruistic at first is really sinister when she wants no record of him having been here, having anyone notice that he's here. So it's little things like that. It's just like, wow, that's interesting. It's cool. It's I love that because I I didn't pick up on that at all. But I, I like the vibe even is like she's sticking her nose in trying to help and making it worse, which is the like classic thing that white people do as you know, especially like centrist white liberals of like trying to help and making it worse calling the cops when you shouldn't have called the cops like the just like it's just such a classic folly that i immediately hated her because it's like no bitch like you should know better like you don't you know you don't start shit with the cops like you 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 put your head down you get the fuck out of there like you stay alive like that's the you know I, yeah, I'm a little a, more forgiving about their relationship. Well, the reason why I ask is, is I can't remember now what I thought about her character. You know, what I mean? like I, I've seen it too many times where like yeah. I, I can't remember if I believe or if the turn of him seeing the photos, the reveal of him seeing the photos of her of, was I like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, yeah. she's in, I, I, I just don't have any memory of that anymore. Um, so that moment didn't. Were you like, how did were the you cop, like, what do you do you remember the cop? 
scene? Like how you reacted to that at all, or like how did that was, how that scene struck you? I was because I imagine I, I know what you're saying. Probably I, I, been in similar situations, and I know what you're saying in terms of white people potentially making things worse. I think that personally did get me on board a little bit with her character, and, and sort of a save the cat, you know, Blake Snyder, you know, quick yeah. quippy kind of thing, where it's like her sticking up for him in that moment i admit yes it was misguided but it wasn't completely um disrespectful or out of left field it, it was more of just like analyze like like listen he wasn't driving there's you know i kind of took it more yeah of a little chippy thing to say that didn't necessarily turn the situation completely sideways to where you both are going to be in some shit that you know you, you don't want to get into but it was nice to see her stick up to if my if memory serves if i'm being completely honest with myself yeah i think i've read it as more like oh you know at least she's trying she's trying to um okay i mean know. that's the that's the beauty of that the ambiguity in that scene and it's like there is there's a tension there and it's like where's that tension coming from like you may maybe you don't know yet like it's yeah it's it's effective and and also the first time i saw it, the temperature of the company i mean we were not going obviously cops and and and, and like uh, you know <laughs> there's there's a long history there um but i'm not sure if it was as fraught as it would later become like I, i'm not yeah it's Trayvon, pre-2020 but right. it's still post yeah it would have been post slavery but yeah all right let's go to a break <laughs> <laughs> As your podcaster of choice of once weekly make me watch is right for you. Proven to reduce time spent ambling through streaming services and alleviate dull commutes. Follow along our shot for shot segment on your social media platform of choice with links provided in the show notes. Make me watch. You will. Contact us if you observe any of the following reactions upon exposure. An overwhelming desire to suggest a film, a burning need to correct our pronunciation, or excessive pocket change. Special thanks to Nick and Jay Shoot, Mike from Fail in Hollywood, and Adam from Pot It Together. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Full credits in the show notes below. All right, we're going to go into our shot for shot segment right now. Uh, this is where we we pick out some of our favorite shots, like break down what stood out right away. I think uh, towards the beginning of the film, when they first arrive and we just hit uh, one of the shots that I love that stood out to me. It's my first choice uh, is when uh, Chris is is meeting the family and we just we hang in that real wide shot mm-hmm. uh, and it, we, we hang there for so long. Uh, that it's a little bit uncomfortable. And then you have the slow reveal of Walter slash Roman. Um, just you only at this point, you only see the shoulder and maybe a little like hint to the back of the head. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I, I love this shot for a lot of reasons. I think it's a really, it's a great uh, homage to Carpenter to Halloween. Mm. Like, I, I mean, yeah. this is, if you, if you watch Halloween, like this is, almost identical to some of the shots and, and I got, especially I got several the, more references for to, to, to tag on that too but uh, please finish i but i want you to oh yeah i mean the way that carpenter shoots uh michael myers in the original mm-hmm. halloween like he i mean they literally refer to him as like the thing the mm-hmm. silhouette or something like that um but like you know it's it's all about that sh- that silhouette and just mm-hmm. using the edges of frame mm-hmm. for horror Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that that especially like seventies and and Carpenter specifically. I mean, we talk about Dean Cundey mm-hmm. uh, in in some of our like lead up episodes, mm-hmm. but um, that that aspect ratio specifically mm-hmm. that like two four zero two three five that like real wide screen cinemascope aspect ratio 
horror likes to use you know you, you peek things in at the edges of frame mm -hmm. and i think uh this is this is a great uh example of, of uh toby oliver who shot this movie and uh jordan peele doing that we're playing with the the aspect ratio I just want to tag this shot, too, because this is actually one of the ones I considered strongly picking. Uh, I didn't end up going with it, so I'm so glad that Sean picked it. But the pull-out reveal is is uh, a tried-and-true technique. Um, we certainly see it uh, um, in, in Halloween, but there's also a couple ones. And I, and I think one that it closely resembles, too, we brought up Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs. This, this is the Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction sequence, like where Mr. Blonde is uh, sipping the soda, and Tim Roth and Steve Buscemi had the guns pointed at each other. And Oh, I'm sorry, no. Harvey yeah. Keitel and, and Steve Buscemi, I believe, had the guns pointed. And it pulls back, and, and Mr. Blonde is like leaning against the post, and he's sipping the soda. Uh, there, there's another iconic moment of the, of the pullback reveal. Breaking Bad, the end of Breaking Bad, very last episode of Walter being hidden by the post in the middle of the room and then the camera pulling out to reveal that he's sitting there listening to the conversation that uh, Skylar and her sister were having the whole time. Uh, another awesome mm. pullback reveal uh, um, uh, technique. Um, I think, I mean, Breaking Bad, I think specifically, that's much more like horror movie. You know, like they're shooting Walter like a fucking, you know, movie yeah, monster at absolutely. that point. I, I think they're, they're referencing a lot of the same visual language right. there. Like, that's really cool. I do... Uh, uh, I guess one last little bit uh, about this. Yeah, um, yeah. this shot. What, can, can I just say really quick, just to, just to wrap the. Okay, so withholding, withholding our introduction to the family, and we're being this far out. Um, this it feels like this shot was mirrored. The entrapment of Lakeith Stanfield's character, uh, from the uh to the trunk of the car and the car being so far out. It feels like it mirrors mm -hmm. the same sort of entrapment of Chris's character, Daniel Kaluuya's character, walking to the house. Like we're we're this distance out as he's being entrapped uh, by this family. Um, there feel like there's some mirror technique to the, the yeah. uh, you know between those two uh, two sequences. I just want to call out. That's cool. I I had a little the uh, the like piece that I wrote in my notes while I was watching and I saw this shot was that the uh, like the monsters are exactly who you expect a little bit mm. of like, you know, like the family is giving weird vibes and like, they're the real monsters, but then they, you have this like add, you know, you're adding this horror language mm -hmm. of this silhouette watching them and the uneasiness of like, Oh shit. Okay. So is the monster this like unseen watcher or is the monster like this creepy family? Like it's keeping you on your toes with the, with the visual language of horror movies in a really like way. That's just like Jordan Peele. Just Mwah. that's awesome. Chef's kiss. Uh, my shot takes place uh, within the third act of Daniel Kaluuya first waking up inside of the armature, the armature, armature, armorage uh, game room. Armitage. Armitage. Armitage is a uh, game room. Um, What I love about this shot is, one, the ceiling. The ceiling to me is is anytime there's an intricate ceiling of light, I think 2001, uh, Ken Adams, production designer of, of, of Strange yeah. Love, like that circle, um, that circle halo light that, that takes place over the Strange Love table. Um, Ken Adams' design of like Dr. No, there's a there's another similar awesome uh, ceiling sequence. This feels like the mausoleum that um, uh, Kier DeLay's character wakes up to at the end of 2001, like where he's in that white, completely white room um, uh, yeah. that takes place in, in the afterlife. It, like, I, I really love this ceiling. Um, it adds to, uh, when, when, Peel was talking about this in the commentary. He wanted to have a Lynchian room. I've I've spoken before about rooms mm. that the production designs just it, it something just feels 
off and uncomfortable. I think partly it's some of these, the lights, like these lights that are um, almost like these columns or these posts. It's just, it's such a creepy room, such a creepy introduction without it being overly stated or, or over, like there's not um, like a, uh, you know, a a little person in the corner, you know, walking in, walking in circles, you know, with a weird, like you don't need necessarily all those uh, flourishes, but there's something very uncomfortable and very scary the, um, the 2001 reference i think is really interesting uh like the like referencing the the like zoo enclosure that he's trapped in at the end of the the movie right like it and it has that same like otherworldly yeah. like cuz i mean in it's in that scene too it's like meant to be comforting yeah like in the context of the movie right. it's meant to be comforting but, but then like- the film is supposed to say like oh it's it's something's wrong here like they're not right. getting it quite right. right like they just have an assortment of luxury items that don't blend together in any almost like this like, uncanny valley way. that they're hitting you yeah know I mean? it's exactly. like something like, that's un- like not un- human trying to interpret what a human exactly you know, and would trying to like. do like that uncanny valley in like art direction and and room you know architecture is is a really interesting um it's such a cool touch yeah Uh, i think also like seeing the ceiling here is uh i mean like what is it john ford talks about like or john ford shoots up at the ceilings and Mm -hmm. that's like a large part of his like visual language is is that like he shoots real low angle up at the ceilings Mm -hmm. because at the time your you know movie sets didn't really have ceilings because you would need all the lighting and mics and stuff so they'd have false ceilings to just do like little corners and stuff to imply a room, made it feel more realistic and feel like you were like understood the geography of the space a little bit better. I think this might be one of the few times that we really see ceilings because we they don't shoot a lot of like they're not doing any like low angle, creepy horror movie angles. Like everything is shot really straightforward like eye level coverage everybody shot like a drama yeah B- betty gabriel you know? in the bed in the uh, having the breakdown in the bedroom uh kind of shot from a lower angle uh real low angle close but up. they they sell it though because she walks towards the camera because yes. yeah, she like pushes so the angle gets almost like a predator so yeah <laughs> when you when you shoot that because they're below her eye mm-hmm. line but the the angle gets more stark as she gets closer to camera because mm-hmm. you know if you're like imagining the geography like if she when she's far away, if you're only a little bit below her eye line, it's the it's the more subtle. But yeah. then when you're standing right on top of the camera, even if it's only a couple inches below you, it's still kind of looking up at your nose. Yeah. So they they sell that effect like in a really subtle way, and then they ramp up the visual language into the more horror movie stuff like after this turn. Right. Uh, but this is the first time that we see the ceiling. It's like really this first time the visual language like full-on breaks into horror movie mm-hmm. you know before we we're getting the little flourishes with the like stings and like her moving around in the background or the the running stuff um but now and now the movie's full-on horror movie uh from this point out yeah, so yeah. it's a it's a, a really cool shot also i think uh maybe a little bit of a like this is a game to them yeah i was, I was gonna bring that game yes, room. i was gonna bring that up as well like it, it like there, his life is not Seeing a foosball table is so jarring in this because you're like, this is so horrifying. Why? Why is this also where they keep their foosball table? Very unsettling. I love that this. Uh, not to keep going on this point, but the hallway that connects this room, where they have all their photos and relics of of different like um, cervids and um, horses mm. and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 um to kind of connect like this weird bizarre world that the armatures live in 
uh, what am I trying to say? If we had never seen that hallway, this room would have felt so otherworldly as to not even be in the same house. But there's something about that hallway mm. in the um, the the medical uh, room, the um, the surgeon room that you can see how this architecture would connect to the rest of the house. And it, it almost like a more yeah. of a lived in space and how much more just sinister and creepy and, and fucking uncomfortable that feels <laughs> like, the, like someone yeah. came and designed this, <laughs> this, this room. Yeah. Down, you know, yeah. It's like, it, it's like they, they wanted to feel the, the like comfort. It like, it's like fucking carpeted, like, ugh. like the TV yeah, that's weak. in there, like the old, like that. Uh, it's just yeah. all the, it's so perfect. So perfectly done. So I love it. Yeah. Want to move on to your, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, go to uh, my shot it's also from the beginning of the movie okay. um uh I, I i this shot was so striking to me even mm-hmm. though there's not a whole lot going on it's when they they hit the mm-hmm. the deer jumps out in front of them and then uh daniel kalua is, is walking back to inspect it and there's the shot from the in the woods mm-hmm. out at the road mm-hmm. and you know he's, he's real small in frame and you, you there's a lot of foreground trees and just this beautiful, beautiful, like just painterly light. Um, I mean, th- this is. I I was reading some stuff with the, the the cinematographer where they talked about wanting it to be really warm and beautiful and inviting in the first part of this movie to kind of try and throw you off. Mm. Uh, and it, there is something really sinister about the the tension in this scene combined with how beautiful it is, yes. and and the like him confronting the mortality of this you know dying deer that's like crying out and dying and him slowly approaching it but in this very like stippled golden sunsetty light um it's it's just a really beautiful shot and yeah just just done in there's a really good mix of contrast and and light and depth and atmosphere and I, I would love to to hear the cinematographer break it down more because it it it's man like that I would love to see this cinematographer get some fucking good scripts like Toby Oliver mm. really knocked it out of the park on this movie absolutely uh, and he's been shooting like a lot of like Blumfield horror stuff since mm. and I would like I would love to see him on a, on another script at this level like because I, I think he really knocked it out of the park I I love the way uh, this shot is bright and dark at the same time. That's interesting. Like I will use this shot as a visual reference, like for, you know, or I would use this shot as a visual reference because it's, it's a dark feeling shot while still being very brightly lit and, and beautifully illuminated. And, and the way that the, the, you feel that the camera is in shadow, Mm -hmm. even though most of the scene is brightly lit. Uh, is just a really, really interesting, really, really beautifully staged shot. I just want to uh, tag that as well in in terms of really brightly lit shots that are supposed to feel idyllic but have a dark, you know, nature to them or a dark undertone, dark underbelly to it. There's a similar uh, shot that I cut. I didn't put it in my shot for shot, but as Lakeith Stanfield is coming out of his um, trance and he's rushing over to Danny Kalu and he's saying get out, like the lens flare that happens. They're out in this idyllic, you know, garden in this backyard mm. and that lens flare lens flares can be used to i i feel like um emphasize um 
uh, light romanticism, maybe, you know, connection, like you can get sunsets, like something beautiful, like the turn that mm. that happens in that moment of him screaming, get out and, and um, trying to shake him out of this, you know, this idyllic sort of like uh, um, uh, slumber that, that he's in and like have him yeah. run, you know what I mean, from this, because there's something really dark under the surface. It, 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 it feels like they use that technique or they... Um, that technique is utilized throughout the film. Yeah. Like something that should be, you know, light and, and airy is is really dark and, and scary. <laughs> That's a really I didn't I didn't pick up on that lens flare. I think Mike Rignetta mm-hmm. uh, does a really has a really cool YouTube essay. I, I think it's called like stuff gets when stuff gets on the camera lens or when stuff gets on the lens. Oh, okay, uh, but he talks about like the history of lens flares and their use in cinematic language. Super long form essay. Uh, if if you're interested in hearing us break down this stuff, like. Uh, go look up Mike Rignetta on YouTube and, and listen to that breakdown because it's a really cool one. Uh, my next shot is a shot that Sean and I kind of share. I'll I'll call out um, my first one, but I, I kind of really want to just dig into yours and 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 discuss the differences between the two. But it's Daniel Kaluuya in the Din. Um, this is you know the first hypnotism uh, that he experiences, and it's the class. It's the uh, iconic shot of the uh, single on his face, head and shoulders. And he's uh, crying, looking directly in the camera. It's the John- Jonathan Demme single. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about Jonathan Demme's work or his his the singles he would capture, but uh, iconic with with the Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Sterling singles that take back and forth. Uh, the shot reverse shot. Um, I think only rivaled by maybe uh, Barry Jenkins, <laughs> who seems to have captured the Jonathan Demme uh, single. Um, I picked this one because it's the most I feel like iconic steal out of the out yeah. of the movie like that that's the one that you saw with all the marketing materials and um memes that would kind of come up so you picked the yeah. slightly um three-quarter shot of this or uh, the slightly three-quarter yeah. version of this one and i'm curious as to why so the i picked the three-quarter version of this one because this is the the moment when he's saying like oh i, I can't move yeah. why can't i move yeah and that, that was the moment where i was like damn are they like digitally locking his head in place in the frame like are they like are they assisting this because he's he's so locked down Mm -hmm. but the other little bit that i love about this shot and the part that makes me think like that they might have like fucked with it a little bit Mm -hmm. um it's a it's a wide angle close-up too where the the wide angle close-up is shot in such a way that both his eyes are in focus Mm um and that's i don't think that's a thing that happened accidentally you know like mm-hmm. i think that this shot sh- wide angle like most of the time when you're shooting a close-up you're throwing on a longer lens and they, sh- they shot a lot of this movie on zooms so they mm-hmm. you know would just you can just like throw the zoom on zoom in pop off your your, mm-hmm. your close-up so mm-hmm. actually trucking the camera in closer to his face and and going wider with it, it you know makes the head appear larger mm-hmm. but it also gives you a little bit more uh, focus mm-hmm. to play with um you know it's it would be really really hard to achieve this shot and get both eyes in focus mm-hmm. on a longer lens mm-hmm. so i i think that the the choice there is deliberate and i think it's it's really really effective because you know, what we were talking about earlier he carries mm-hmm. so much of the movie in his eyes mm-hmm. so much of the pain in this scene and then the, the the turn into you know the pain of him reliving this traumatic event a turning to horror as he realizes that he's paralyzed and he's, you know, doing this against his will. You know, carrying that so much of that, it's because he can't move, he has to carry it all in his eyes. Mm-hmm. So having a variety of coverage, but then using 
different camera techniques to make sure that both eyes are completely in focus Mm -hmm. is like that's some mastercraft shit right there that's some good shit i hadn't hadn't even really considered that because i I hadn't looked uh, i hadn't seen any of the um whether it was shot on primes or zoom so i'm i'm I'm, I'm glad that you you came with that information it was uh uh ingenue optimos i believe really um which is an interesting choice i don't really like those lenses Mm -hmm. usually what why is Um, that so the zooms aren't as bad because it, it like the you know, that era of lenses can be a little bit too sharp, and especially if you shoot it on something like a, a red or something like it would just look very very digital. Mm-hmm. So that you know, like you just have to do a lot of filtration, a lot of work to to really take the bite off of the image. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, they did here. Like Toby Oliver really nailed it. Honestly, his his work with color is so precise in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like his his just really, really, really specific color. Like uh, there's, I I worked with uh, a friend of mine uh, who talked about color like this and R.I.P. Uh, Helena Hutchins. Um, R.I.P. She was a friend, but like she talked about color like this in the way where like. Just like the hearing, you know, like the knowing exactly what specific gels and stuff to call out, like the way he shoots the moonlight and makes it feel so unnatural and creepy. Just, just be, I mean, the way, even the, 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 your, the next shot that you're about to bring up, the, the candlelit scene mm-hmm. where they're all around the table, like shooting Daniel Kalua in that scene, who's a like pretty dark skinned yeah, man. Right. Like he's not, he's not a light skinned man. Yeah. And lighting for both. having him. Yeah. Lighting for him and his white girlfriend right. in a candlelit scene mm-hmm. in this very intimate, close, mm-hmm. like that—that's such a takes such a finesse yeah. that that man he really just knocked it out of the park on this movie. That that segues perfectly into the into my next shot. Exactly what Sean says. I, I didn't necessarily. I, I didn't have as um, as it, you know what what struck me. I I brought up the eyes. I brought up the pinprick of light that happens with the candlelight. But it's it was mostly his use of yellow. So we're talking totally Oliver and 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 his colors his color mm-hmm. theory. This this recurring use of of like golden yellow that takes. I mean, it, it's in the it's in the um, it's in the den shot. It's in this shot. It's in the. Um, in the hypnotist shot in the first hypnotism scene, uh, I, I really, I really love this the use of that color in this film. Um, I didn't have any kind of color theory prepared for it, uh, you know, like um, so I mean, describe the, what it most, is. It's like a home. It's it I, feels like a homely yeah. kind of color. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's obviously it, that's that's when what I had the little bit that I had read him talk about mm-hmm. was he was talking about wanting it to feel very inviting, right? Because uh, he wanted that contrast between mm-hmm. their outward appearance mm-hmm. and their actions, like you know, they're they're presenting themselves one way, mm-hmm. trying to make you comfortable to hide the 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 horrors that are in the basement. Right. Um. And yeah, like, even the sunlight in every scene, like the when they're on the dock talking about running away, mm-hmm. it's this like gorgeous, gorgeous, uh, like stippled sunset gold right. through the trees that's right. like on his face just looks so nice and it, even like i think it's intentional because you know very shortly after that you're cutting into the, like the the auction scene and that's there's no like warmness mm-hmm. in that scene at all like we've now we've gone full like cold territory yeah um but yeah yeah so that's that's my um those are our shot for shots 
Sean, we want to talk a little craft. We want to talk about like what's the best use of craft making in this movie. Do you uh yeah. do you have anything for this bit? I mean, most most effective combination of elements. We've we've talked about the scene already, you know, so we don't have to go too deep into it, but the the hypnosis scene where, mm. you know, you first go into the sunken place. Yeah. Like you have that has everything. Like honestly, like that, you that, know, was, we're, that was mine you, too. You, spoiler alert. And, and it, <laughs> it's it's scene. the best use to sound. It's mm. the best like combination you know like we I, we were just talking about the lensing and the folk you know mm -hmm. the tiny amount of detail in just like the depth of field yeah. practically versus, you know also excuse me, practically done as well um with him yeah. on wires do you know what I mean <laughs> to, to achieve the floating effect oh like, with him in, in yeah, the in the yeah, actual second yeah. place there's yeah. visual effects i think that, to create some of those particles those white particles that are moving mm. uh in in the blackness but yeah they strung them up on wires and, and, and created the uh hell yeah, yeah did that practically um i want to make a uh a comment about the sound because her her singing sink like or sink into the uh was sinking to the couch or sinking to the floor or sink or whatever they they yeah. added a little bass to her voice they dropped it and it really kind of sure like yeah. yeah like I fucking love that dude you can't move why can't I move you're paralyzed just like that day when you did nothing you did nothing. now sink into the floor wait 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 sink yeah so we're, we're right we're right uh uh right there have you ever have you ever felt that sink I'm I've been on a an, on an we don't have to 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 say anything on Mike that in two no 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 I, I was that dude so you lead me to my next point um Jordan Peele says this about the sunken place so glad that you said that so it's supposed to be that feeling right before you fall asleep to where you're still kind of conscious, but you're you're kind of drifting off. And what if you never went completely asleep or what if you never completely woke up like you're still in this that haze yeah. of kind of falling asleep? What he also said is everyone's sunken place would look different. Sean, I want to ask you, what does your sunken place look like or what would it look like? So Chris is here is represented by, you know, the TV, like there's a TV type of yeah um, uh visual metaphor happening here similar to when he was paralyzed from fear uh, of not going to look for his mom he's sitting there watching tv and he doesn't really get up and and, and uh you know alert anybody or call anybody to uh, go look for his mom that seems like it's visually represented by this dark you know screen that he's he's drifting away from uh yeah. while you're thinking of what your second place looks like uh i'm, I'm gonna uh, share mine because i have experienced sleep paralysis uh and, and i have like since I haven't had a, a sleep paralysis moment since high school, but from a child up until then, it was frequent enough that I knew it was happening or, or I was, yeah. I didn't have yeah. words for it, but I was like, I would have this dream recurring dream of, um, and it would take place in this one particular house I lived in, in my, in my, I'm in my room, I'm in my bed and someone's breaking into the house and I'm aware that someone's breaking into the house, but I can't, I can't move. I can't get up. I can't, I can't mm. say anything to anybody. Um, and everything that I'm looking at, my room, my bed, the closet, everything is, is almost as if you were to replace the tungsten light that's in here and just bathed everything in red. So it's almost like a red light was, was screwed into the, um, into the light bulb. And so yeah. I'm laying on my side and I, I can kind of see my legs and, you know, the bed sheets and whatever. Everything is in red and I can't move and I know someone's breaking into the house. That, that, that's the kind of the, and, and this, mm. and this dream would happen 
over and over again. I swear to God, like you had yeah, eleventh grade. I've or had like I've had partners yeah. that had sleep paralysis before. So right. Like they've explained it to me too. So like, yeah, that's re- that's really interesting. McGee, um, what's your sunken place look like? What's my sunken place look like? It's, it's probably the opposite of this anyway, because I'm the type of weirdo that does uh, sensory deprivation like oh, tanks really? for fun. So uh, sen- like his sunken place looks like a thing that I have paid to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it would probably be the opposite of that. Something uh, like very it, like bright and chaotic and, and switching channels mm. like 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 somebody just like flipping the channels on your mind constantly like just not being able to to like changing like that kind of thing uh yeah a little bit like maybe like being like tumbled around just like like the disorientation like the the stillness of nothing is something i actually treasure so i'm thinking of like the opposite of that of just like pure chaos and and never being able to like get a grounding of of you know where my feet are which ways up like you know if it was a little bit more like tumultuous and and almost like claustrophobic right uh where it felt like the the opposite like it wasn't claustrophobic at all because you were like in a in a infinite void of nothing right um it, it would be the 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 compressing like claustrophobicness of of chaos would be my sunken place for sure <laughs> yeah, i like that um I, I got some other stuff for some crap uh these are just Small one-off stuff that I noticed, stuff that I wanted to bring up. Um, so I, I want to start here. The um, the color of the titles from the uh, beginning. Hey, this is a, you know a Jordan Peele or written directed by Jordan Peele. The names of credits, Shining reference, right? The light blue text on screen is a Shining oh, okay. reference. Uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Keith, Lakeith Stanfield walking through the neighborhood, the suburbs with a lot of uh, uh, shrubs and brush. It's supposed to kind of create like a maze. It's also supposed to be a, a small mm. reference to the maze at the end of The Shining. Um, the I definitely got Shining vibes from the 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 trees, um, like the going. To- no, well that too, but the uh, the little speech on the TV that he gives. Oh right, yeah. Uh, then when he says like he like it's like you know has brings his family. He's like, yeah. oh maybe you'll join our family, right, and then right. it like gets real weird and goes to the behold the Kowaki. <laughs> uh, like that that was it felt very shining. It's like, and, uh, like Kubrickian. Jack Nicholson at the uh, New Year's party or whatever the the photo that you yeah. got back up from. You see him with all the ghosts. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even just the vibe of like the like the bartender or anything of like where you're like uh, this guy is fucking weird like right, right. yeah another drink or where is um i wanted uh, erica alexander so erica alexander is the cop that um she plays detective latoya he's the one that, that he's going to confess this to and hopefully that she's going to get on board and um and uh help him out with this case what i find interesting or what i love because you you had, are you familiar with Erica Alexander at all? Like, had you seen her? Before? She seemed familiar. She's really familiar, but I couldn't place what I knew her from. Okay, so she was a part it's, of the. Rena- this is like this character feels like it's like I've seen this character before. I, I love I, I love her line reading of uh, if you keep calling me man, we're not going to be friends. She delivers um, she delivers in this role, but she was in a uh, TV series, really popular TV series in the '90s, Living Single. Not sure if that's something you would have ever watched. It would have been on like UPN nah. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. there was a black renaissance of television in the nineties, uh, with, you know, um Martin, Fresh Prince, Living Single, Sister Sister. I know you were a big sister sister fan back in the day. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> um 
uh, smart guy, uh, you name Fuck it. Yeah. There, there's, there, there's just a lot of uh, uh, smart guy. I, wow, smart talk guy. about things I did not think we were gonna <laughs> reference, man. Smart guy. Um, I love that show though. So, like, no, no, don't, no lie. She represents to me that second golden age of black television, um, and, and that's coming off of you know like the Jeffersons or Sanford and Son, um, like mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. you know, they sort of the Silver Age. So that yeah, that's that's probably why she's familiar. Right. With so she like, represents, I feel like that early '90s when I'm coming home, you know, watching TV as a kid or something like that. So to see her yeah. in this film of the next renaissance of, of black creators and filmmakers and storytellers, I really feel after this, like we start to get uh, a lot. You know, our Jewel Taylors with with, with, with Colin Tyrone yeah. or. Um, uh, Swarm that's on uh, Amazon, uh, Candyman that takes place after this. It's going to be some of the filmmakers that I bring up for uh, the DVD. But you, you see that, another that, renaissance. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you see another renaissance of uh, of uh, black creators and storytellers, and I love that there's a little linchpin from that '90s to where where we are here. All right. So since you brought it up, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about it. Who who's got this DVD on the shelf? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're gonna talk about this when we talk about other movies, and and it'll have a different answer from when we talk about like established classics. Mm-hmm. But now that this, we, we know we're talking about this as being kind of the first of a, a forefront of a wave of movies. So, yeah, who who has this on the shelf? What are the what are the wave of of people that kind of take take this and run with it? I, I feel like obviously the, 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 the just mentioned revolution of of, of uh, black creators and filmmakers and filmmakers of color, um, kind of doing. Uh, how would you how would you say this like a surrealist elevated take on thriller or horror that's not that's not the classiest way to say yeah. that and, and, and people kind of shudder when you say elevated horror <laughs> and, and things like that. but but there is a tone that i think jordan tapped into that you see in jewel taylor's they clone tyrone or that you saw in nia DaCosta's Candyman, or that you see in like uh, donald glover's the swarm the, the uh, tv series that's on uh, amazon prime and I, I think for better or worse like i mean i would also like <laughs> they i think that some of the reason i that this movie missed me was i kind of assumed that it had a similar dna with some of the imitators mm-hmm. like i you know whatever i'm just gonna get into it uh lena waif on with uh them or whatever for amazon was like a lot of just like gratuitous violence oh i remember i i and i i fucking i remember my my mom was watching that show Mm -hmm. and i was just like trying to watch it with her and i was like i can't fucking take this like this is just i remember this bad like it's just it was too gratuitous too violent and it just did not feel like it had the same spirit and and I I honestly think that part of that kind of freaked me out and, and was part of the reason why I skipped it because I was just like man I I got enough downer shit in my life right now like I don't I don't want to really explore that feeling I, you know I I want to go to the movies and and be in a a better place for two hours not a, a worse place so you know I I avoided it thinking I was going to hit some of those things in a, in a similar way I think a a, a a TV show that I've I've mentioned before, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. There's another uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO. Like, I think that it. I don't. Did you watch that show? I didn't. Um, wasn't. I, I'm not a huge Lovecraft guy, but uh, yeah. So I. I, I, I it's yeah. It, it gets into some. I mean, I, I, I'm obviously H.P. Lovecraft himself was a piece of shit right, racist. Right. So I I thought it was really interesting to take 
a piece of shit racist mm-hmm. work and tell a story about the black experience in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, admittedly, there's some episodes of that show that are a fucking rough watch mm-hmm. that get pretty, pretty violent, pretty gross. Mm-hmm. And just like painful because it's a painful thing to live through. I mean, that that show literally fucking explores the Tulsa, mm-hmm. like the you know Tulsa massacre, genocide, yeah, why yeah. it's like fucking massacre. That's mm-hmm. the word I was yeah, looking yeah. for. Um, so obviously it's a, it's a rough watch, but it also there's an episode you know without getting into too much spoilers, there's an episode that goes into like Afrofuturism, cosmic, surreal, the kind of art that like I fucking love. Like I I love that stuff. Um, especially like the the optimism of looking into the space travel mm-hmm. and like that like funk music does in the seventies mm-hmm. with you know Parliament Funk and Bootsy Collins all that yeah, shit yeah, like yeah. Yeah. so I, I think Lovecraft Country references that in a way that like balances the scales a little mm-hmm. bit and but obviously takes uh, some like that that show wouldn't exist without Get Out uh, happening in, in this time yeah I think those are excellent. Um, you you see what happens after the wake of the popularity of this film. I yeah. feel like Atlanta. Atlanta is another one. I, I think Atlanta yeah. slightly predates this. But what 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 did you did you, uh, did you take anything away from this movie that you're gonna like put in your quiver? You're gonna mm-hmm. keep that in your pocket for later. I did, I did, and it was um, a small thing that uh, Jordan Peele said in the commentary of this film. How he approached the side characters and giving them little flaws that may not be evident or have that much to do with the plot. Like it may, it may not, um, or it, it would affect the plot in subtle ways. Um, so for instance, uh, give me an example. So, uh, yeah, Little Rail's drinking. I didn't realize that there's, sev- there's several times throughout the film that, uh, that Rail's taking a drink, um, uh, while he's at, um, uh, Danny Clue's while apartment. he's watching the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that it's, it's supposed to, um, one indicate a flaw, but maybe a bit of an unreliable character. So if he's going in and he's sort of explaining himself to the other police officers as a TSA agent, you can kind yeah. of see how that yeah. maybe his slip is showing a little bit while, while he's doing that. Also, and I think what's more important, it <laughs> was more important to that is Allison's character with the door being left open where the photos are kept. And I always, I was like in my head, cause we see this shot of, of uh, in her bedroom where it's like an um like an attic or a storage uh closet that that's near her window it's it's sort of left ajar a little bit do you know what i mean and when he's sleeping yeah. he sees it and finally at the end he decides to peek inside and that's where he discovers the photos uh jordan called her her flaw being um an inability to not have the perfect facade, you know what I mean? Like, she has to leave a little bit of a crack open, and it's almost a little bit of a cat and mouse game. Like, she wants her partners to discover sort of the photos in, yeah. in similar um, fashion to, you know, a, 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 a cat kind of toying with its 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 prey a little bit. Yeah, if, if everything, it's like you don't just ambush it and, and you know, if, if a cat wanted to, it could just kill it in one strike, but it, like, right. it wants the game. It, it wants right. the the, the, the thrill the of the chase, you know. Yeah, so. you got to get your blood pumping a little bit somehow. Like she's right. she's jaded. Yeah, right. um, that's cool. So I, I like that he had these small little flaws that he illustrated for these side characters. That that um, that's interesting. I do like I, the Allison one specifically. Like, I think you there is definitely, especially with how like overanalyzed this movie like mm-hmm. is and kind of asks to be mm-hmm. that. You can make an argument that that's kind of opening yourself up to like a potential plot hole. Yeah, I would agree. It does feel it does feel a little contrived, but 
at the same, you know, reality is contrived. <laughs> like, fucking, you know, I, I, absurd things happen every day, and that, you know, so it's it it does it didn't bother me in the moment. It's a little bit of that fridge logic that we were talking about earlier. Um, See, the, that's yeah. it, it. It did bother me for whatever reason, and it went back to I asked uh, the question earlier of why would he still trust her after seeing the photos, or why still ask for her help? So when I've seen this movie. Um, in, in previous viewings, I, I think I did rub up against that. I'm like, why would she leave that door open? And it wasn't until I'm listening to the commentary during this one that I picked up on, oh, these are this, it was a psychological. So I'm not saying it even he even handled it the best way that he could have. Uh, maybe three features in now, he could have gone back and rewrote that to be a little um, clear that this is sort of a cat and mouse game that she's playing between him. Maybe there are little other yeah. little moments that she could have had with him that are sort of little cat and mouse playful poking prodding kind of things uh, that would have helped to illustrate that. But when I did hear that it was the reason behind that choice, it, it there was something that was a little enlightening. I was like, Oh, I kind of like that. I, I maybe even yeah. wish it was a little clearer in the text, but I like there was, a, there was some thought behind it. it. It definitely, there's, there's, there's implications there that she's enjoying, like she gets a sick, like perverse enjoyment out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there, you could argue that that's, that's enough of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. Um, I, here's what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't go as hard as I thought. Interesting. With it wasn't as weird. Like it mm-hmm. was surreal and weird, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as weird as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's restraint and uh, like it it never go. You know, there's never a scene where like okay, like now we're going to use this alien parasite from outer space that, you know, we worship uh, to, to like re- enact this ritual, you know, like, it, you know, it never takes that extra step into like complete unbelievability. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the, you know, like you have to accept that like a brain transplant is possible with this weird technology and like, but it's it's grounding itself in like hypnosis and neuroscience it's mm-hmm. never claiming to be like something more supernatural than that mm-hmm. um which makes it extra it, i mean it's it's extra creepy because it's like oh those those people totally fucking exist there's the mm-hmm. like weirdo billionaire in san francisco who's like you know like gets his kid's blood transfused in him because mm-hmm. he's trying to not Stay age young forever yeah yeah like you know you know what dude i'm talking about the fuck creepy I, I, i've heard of guy. yeah i i um so but like so like those people you know rich fucks that have no morals and will do anything to push the clock back like exist for sure so right. it didn't feel the need to ever go and i i think it's an interesting comparison contrast with us maybe mm. Because us does like go a little bit farther mm-hmm. with its fantastical like mm-hmm. uh you know reality pushing stuff mm-hmm. and i I loved that movie uh, you know mm-hmm. i I, I oh, loved I that movie, too. but I, everyone I was with hated it when yeah. I was in the yeah. theaters yeah. when I saw it yeah. so like it, it is interesting to see like how much of a cultural phenomenon this movie was. Mm-hmm. Versus the reception of us and the way that this movie and nope was to a an little extent, you know what I mean? Like nope, it sort of uh, takes that similar. Like people didn't respond to it as well. Like I walked out of the theater. And- I don't remember the response to nope oh, yeah, because I uh, the, mix, like I mix. It was because I remember just the hype over the visuals and it was just like so exciting. Mm-hmm. But that was also just like I think we were just excited to get back in theaters. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of like mm-hmm. you know pandemic shaking off mm-hmm. the like oh shit I'm. I'm you know, want to go see something on a real big screen again. Right. Mixed. So. Yeah, mi- mixed to favorable. Uh, I think the critical, 
critical reception was it was it was well favored, but I walked out of the theater and a dude was like, "Well, that was a big fucking waste of time." <laughs> an old man and a, a damn yeah, an old man and his wife. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he definitely gets a little weirder um, as he moves on his career. Definitely, uh, yeah. Sean. Do you think this stuck the landing? Are you? Uh... Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I I I was so hyped up, and I, I think. This movie is such a great third act. Like third acts are so fucking tough. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's going to come up as we talk about movies forever. Mm-hmm. Uh the course of this podcast, but like it it keeping up your momentum and tying up your loose ends at the same time mm-hmm. is such a delicate balancing act. Mm-hmm. And what I love that Jordan does that Jordan Peele does in this movie, like the way that Chris starts to get the upper hand as he's, you know, he kills the brother, mm-hmm. which by the way, I was, I was, I was the fucking one screaming at the screen to double tap the brother when he, <laughs> when he knocks him out in right. the basement. Mm-hmm. And my partner was like, what are you talking about? It's fine. And then he shows back up later and I was like, I told you, <laughs> <laughs> you always got to double tap. Uh, <laughs> All right. It's like leave that ball he in finally his skull. kicks his face in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He finally puts his boot through his skull. And I was like, Yeah, you should have done that 20 minutes ago, man. I was yeah. telling you, if you would call me on that's what I'm saying. Call me. I'll be the one on the phone being like, Did you put your did your heel go through his nose yet? All right. We'll make sure it does. But uh yeah, like I think the but the, the keeping up the momentum where he is, you know, you get to he gets some wins where he makes it through the brother and the, the you know the mom and the dad mm-hmm. and then the the momentum shift again when he hits Georgina and he has to go back it's like so brilliant i mean obviously like we've we've done the hit and run thing and established that like part of his character and how much it, and you know crucial this is to his backstory and it, it's just so effective at keeping up the tension when like you it's scary and then you get the relief of it like oh he's escaping he's he's kicking ass you get the revenge hurrah Mm -hmm. and then just when you're like okay like he's gonna make it out this movie's ending it's like oh no we got that one last little twist where we're gonna keep up the tension Mm -hmm. uh and and you're just like no don't go back and pick her up like yeah just such a such a master class in in keeping up the momentum of the movie And, and it also allows him to do some like classic horror tropes mm-hmm. uh with the you know the guy chasing him mm-hmm. uh the the movie monster running fast but moving slow and stuff i know it bugged <laughs> you but i i love that he gave himself a reason to do those like visual homages right. to like classic movie monsters and stuff which i know is obviously hugely important to him i'm right there with you um uh, for similar reasons I, I, to narrow in on that third act and and why certain um moments i feel like are are um just so powerful in in the way that he did it flipping black cliches to be chris's saving grace daniel's saving grace in this so um Mm -hmm. uh, picking the cotton out of the armchair to then plug his ears so that the you know the hypnosis doesn't work um that's incredible. You know, like, uh, well, I, I, I thought you were going with the 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 TSA buddy being the like screaming. No, at the we're getting sc- there. We're getting, yeah, no, yeah, we're getting there at the end. Yeah. I didn't even think yeah, of yeah, picking like, cotton. Yeah, Holy to shit! Then plug man. his ears. So, like that is a sense of brilliance. I was just like, dude, you if you don't write another awesome thing, like you're already 
on the uh, <laughs> top like, yeah. hang his jersey in the rack. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd put that pen on the wall after I wrote that page for sure. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, uh, obviously, what you just uh, alluded to, the the uh, reversal of fortune of those tail lights and and what they would mean and I'm sorry those uh, those uh, cop lights and what they would mean oh the cop lights in another yeah. movie uh, is is uh, you know someone's salvation what they commonly mean in um in, in that he puts his hands up right yeah, away you know what I mean? like, it's just like yeah he's that reverse I I and I was watching this by myself on a laptop the first time that I saw it that elicited it like like i was in a theater like yes <laughs> in my head like i i exclaimed out from that moment when that happened and that very rarely happens to me so that turn is so so powerful to me this is like how yeah he, how he flipped that how and, and what's awesome about that is we know what those lights mean right so we as an audience when we see those we're doing and uh he brings this up to in another interview i was listening to uh, yes, we are introduced to a cop at the beginning of the film, and I think that does help for this reveal at the end. So we're kind of like, oh, maybe there's a cop in the midst of this community that you know could be involved yeah. in this. But even without that scene, if we were to just see those lights, we know what that means, particularly with a black man having his uh, hands around a white woman's throat, you know, in the middle of the in the middle of yeah, the yeah, driveway. Yeah. Um, so we as an audience are doing a little bit of work, right? So we're lights. Oh shit, he's fucked. Then when we see the airport, the door, because it starts with the um, uh, the close on the airport door swinging open. We see airport and we still, even as an audience, have to do a little bit of work of like, oh, shit, we know who works at the yeah. airport. Yeah, and yeah. Then, it, it, then it tilts up to rail. So yeah. we're doing a little bit of the work as we're going along. And these aha you know, moments are happening Isn't, that it, it's just you, it, you don't. It's so hard to write stuff like that. No, it's, it it's like Ridley like Scott. Uh, Ridley Scott talks about shooting the alien, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, the 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 best monster is the one between your ears, yes, or something yes, like yes, that. Or yeah, like, I, I can't yeah. remember exactly what the right, quote is, right, but he's right. saying like, you know, you leave the monster in shadows mm-hmm. because your imagination is more horrifying right. than anything that he can create. Right. Like it, it's that using mm-hmm. that same filmmaking right. like core idea right. of like, letting your audience's imagination right. do the work as much as possible mm. it, that's a that's brilliant because yeah there's mm. so much tension in that scene just from the implications right. and like yeah and, and it is leaving that in your audience's mind is right. absolutely you're absolutely that's such a cool note of like yeah that's a master stroke of right. like yeah fucking kind yeah piece, that's cool we're gonna piece that together the last one being um uh, and i had to listen to the commentary for this one but uh caleb landry choking out um daniel kalua chris uh, similar to bl- a, lot, a lot of black men having been hung, you know, throughout history, uh, literally being put in a noose. But for him to do that and then start counting Mississippi's, Mississippi being a place where some of the most, yeah, some of the most devastating oh, atrocities that's another of slavery, one that missed me. yeah, those uh, devastating uh, atrocities of slavery having take place in, in Mississippi. Um, uh, for him to count that down in a noose type stand, yeah. it's just like so many of these little things that he reversed that are that's- general stereotypes for black men. Um, him being a buck, him being a deer, black men usually, you know, for thoroughbreds or, or kind of um, uh, a lot of animal parlance <laughs> talk being associated yeah, with black yeah. men and how that, you know, that that reversal of him using the buck's uh, antlers to kill the uh, the matriarch of the family. Um, just you, Especially after he was just talking at the beginning of the movie of him being like, oh, fuck deer. Right. That was another like double entendre kind of like, There's you know, so, line. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, <laughs> And, and like we're we're getting into to our closing point, which yes. is has this movie earned its place in film history? Mm-hmm. And I think like that's that's the kind of stuff that like mm-hmm. I, what really 
I think it answers the question for me for this is like, there's so much, obviously this movie inspires a wave of, of, you know, black filmmakers Mm -hmm. and renaissance of filmmakers of color, but really just like this movie is such a great example that, that we can point to and say like, this is what you get when you respect an artist's perspective. Mm -hmm. Like when you value who the artist is as a person and what they bring to the table and the Mm -hmm. vision that they bring through the collection of their life experiences and you let an artist fucking cook, then they can give you something like this. They they can give you something like that's so tied into their experiences, to the black experiences of living in America, to the the experience of being a black creator in Hollywood. Like all of those things are so tied into the DNA of this movie. And there's all those little details that that add up to something that is just like a fucking Absolutely. classic. And it's mm-hmm. so I mean, I, I wanna give you space here to 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 go into it too no, but like please don't i i I, yeah. I absolutely just like i'm blown away one by how how densely tight this script is and 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 like the how much of his perspective he was able to pour into it mm-hmm. at the same time as what i was saying before of it, it like not ever really crossing the line of being like too weird mm-hmm. or too aggressive or too like it's incredibly uncomfortable incredibly aggressive incredibly weird but mm-hmm. it it never loses the audience mm-hmm. while also remaining true to its perspective like its black perspective mm-hmm. and you know like we talked about guess who's coming to dinner is like mm-hmm. you know it's that's a movie made about a black experience but the the viewer mm-hmm. of that movie and the audience of that movie is white like you know the 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 perspective of that movie it feels let's make much white people more comfortable white. first. You know, white people need to be yeah. comfortable first, and then we can sort of introduce. Um, and and so for th- for this movie to be so just so well crafted, mm-hmm. but that but true to like no, this is a movie about a black perspective, and I like it, those like all those details that you were just saying that mm-hmm. like didn't occur to me. Like mm-hmm. th- that's the kind of stuff that makes it. I feel like a a, a classic that will be talked about and studied. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I'll just repeat it again at the end. It, it, this is the highest degree of difficulty to me. You know what I mean? To, to do something that's so uniquely you and still mm-hmm. have the audience respond in the way it, the rapturous response that it, you know, garnered. Yeah. It, it, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm inspired by this movie. I'm inspired by uh, uh, Jordan Peele as an artist. Um, he, he says so many of the things that you wouldn't even have thought to put, even as a black man. You know what I mean? Like, some of them say, how you. Like, dude, again, just the cotton in the ears. Like, dude, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the so fuck? good. Like, how did you, how do you think, where did your mind go to, oh. Yeah. You know, just so, yeah. It, like, what step of the process right. did he come like, up what with draft that? You know, like, that was that, yeah. yeah. Is that the first thought that you built the whole thing? Did you reverse engineer all these other scenes to hit that point? Or, like, did you have this eureka shower mm-hmm. moment? Like, mm-hmm. I would love to know that. That's so fucking cool. Uh, just, yeah. So, absolutely, it's earned its place in, in, in a movie I, I love. So, I'm, I'm so glad you, uh, you spent the time with it and you know for this oh man episode. and it, it, it's i mean it, it's a great great example because this this is another one of those movies that like i knew i needed to watch uh and i i think the best uh you know getting to talk about it with yeah. a, a good buddy of mine right. is is exactly what i needed to get me to watch it so thank you for making me watch this movie yeah, yeah, hell yeah. 
All right, so that was our right. review of uh, 2017's Get Out, or our breakdown, rather. Um, excited to find out what Sean is going to make me watch next week, Sean. Coming this January to video stores everywhere. Uh, I'm excited. So it was revealed to me in one of our famous Faulted episodes uh, that you had never seen Wayne's World. Uh, mm, blind spot. Yeah, so... We're going to have to write that wrong. It's 1992's Wayne's World. I'll read the logline here. It's two slacker friends try to promote their public access cable show. Should seem familiar to what we're doing here. But also a movie that is near and dear to my heart as a child. So uh, next week, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. Party on, there. <laughs> Party on, McGee. Hey, if you made it to the end of our show, you're the real MVP, and we want to thank you. If you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks. Hey.